is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, what's up, everyone? I hope you're doing well and enjoying another beautiful week here midsummer in Winnipeg. Welcome to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Andrew Patterson, Michael Remus with you. We've actually got a very packed show coming up today. Um, we're looking forward to a visit from our good friend Murata Tesh of The Athletic and a little more off-season hockey talk with the host of Skates and Plates, Brandon Rewicki. And uh, we've got some great CFL content coming up. Uh, week six gets going tonight. Bit of an ugly matchup between the Elks, who look to break a 19-game home losing streak at Commonwealth against the Hamilton Tiger Cats. And uh, one of the other voices of the CFL, our guy Marshall Ferguson, is going to join us. Basically just did the picks with Dustin Nielsen on the lock shop. If you want to check those out as well a little bit later on. Uh, and we'll also check out uh, what's going on at the ballpark over these next few days. Huge night last night at Shaw Park. Massive crowd for retro night. Man, those mid-94-era Goldeyes jerseys look good. Uh, and it was great to see so many people show up and show out for the fish. Uh, a late rally came up short. They're 1-1 one one in this series with Cleburne and have four more games this week. And Andrew Collier is going to join us as well a little bit later on to get to that. Um, but listen, we're just going to bring in Michael Remus and get this show on the road. But a big thanks to all the sponsors that make Winnipeg Sports Talk happen each and every day, including Princess Auto, our friends at Coolbet, Modern Man, Manitoba Battery, Aquatech Canadian Club, Vita Health Fresh Market, Nick and Nicky DQ Group, F Apparel, Wallace and Wallace. Consolidated Supply, Royal Sports, Boston Pizza, Little Brown Jug, Aikens Lake, Breezy Bend, Assiniboy Downs, and of course our friends at the Winnipeg Gold Eyes. Don't forget, if you haven't already got your tickets for Winnipeg Sports Talk Night at the ballpark, July 26th is the date. Go to winnipegsportstalk.com and uh, get your tickets now. Remus, what is up? I'm just here sporting my uh, Gold Eyes 1994 Hat Hus. Retro night, right? You had to... I had to mention it, uh, pack night at the ballpark yesterday, fanny pack giveaway, and uh, hey, I had to throw it on. Love this uh, 94 logo, the jerseys, uh, reminding me of the days of Karma. This is not 1994, but maybe Brian Duva, we got Carmine Capuccio, Max Poulin. Brian uh, Duva? Mar- yeah, Donnie Smith, who Marty Neff, I remember. So many... <laughs> So many great players wore the uh, OG Gold Eyes logo. Well, and, and you know what? And we'll talk about this with Andrew coming up. But um, August 11th, Reggie Abercrombie going in to the Gold Eyes Hall of Fame and getting his number retired. Really looking forward to being a, a part of Terry uh, a part Lee. Of that. Terry Lee, sort of r- ripping <laughs> off f- former Gold Eyes from the Canada and Stadium. This is days. like the Immaculate Grid, the American Association oh, Immaculate Matt. Grid. Can you pick a player? Gold who Eyes pl- players with seasons. St. Paul St. Uh, Pete Rose Jr. <laughs> I'm trying yeah, to think. I was of... there for Rafael Palmero coming for... in. Oh, what was that two years ago when he was that's here? A, yeah, that's a pretty good one. I mean, it is like MLB also. I went to watch TV last night, like throw it on, like, oh, maybe there's a game on. And like, was the ESPYs? I was like, Nah, I'm I'm good. I don't need to watch the ESPYs. Although um, you were telling me, um, big uh, big award for Demar Hamlin. Yeah. yeah, the Pat Tillman Award was given out to the Bills training staff 
Uh, and Damar Hamlin came up and presented the award, and it was heavy, man. I mean, he was in tears as they did the presentation beforehand. And, you know, obviously, you know, we move on in today's news cycle. That really was a a crazy, crazy bit of, um, uh, you know, a moment that we'll never forget. And, I mean, at the end of the season, they didn't play the game. It, I mean... In, in some ways, uh, everything was secondary to the health of DeMar Hamlin. And now the fact that he looks like he's going to be able to resume his football career is nothing short of a miracle. But that was that was a really, really neat bit. I didn't watch a ton of it last night, but uh, I, I did get sort of caught up in that moment and uh, just reminded us that um, there are some things more important than uh, the wins and losses in sports sometimes. And uh, I'm not sure we've ever had a, a better example of that. And tell you what that bill's training staff uh, the message at the end of it though was great for people to get cpr training to understand that and um and especially being people that are around sports and youth sports if you can have that i mean at some point someone's life life is going to be saved and uh it certainly was for uh for demar hamlin that being said it was a very slow night in sports People were either watching the ESPYs or uh, all our Winnipeg guys uh, on AEW last night. I think they had a big event out in Saskatoon as AEW continues the Canadian run. But we're back with some uh, real action tonight. We got Major League Baseball, and we do have the Canadian Football League starting off uh, week number six with that game between Hamilton and Edmonton. And we'll talk about that coming up with Marshall Ferguson a little bit later on. Remo, uh, just quickly to touch on this. Um, I've never had this happen before. But yesterday we talked about the trend of venues going cashless. Yeah. And, of course, the Bombers did it a few years ago, a couple years ago, and now Canada Life Centre is. And I, I, I mean, I didn't even think this was a hot take, to be honest with you. I was just wondering, like, why are we doing this? What are the benefits? Who benefits from this? The, t- the take was so hot, it got my Twitter shut down for over 12 hours. I am happy to say my Twitter privileges are back. I am now a, but if many of you are wondering, like I had a couple good responses to some of the people that were responding to my tweet yesterday. Unfortunately, for the first time ever, I was put into Twitter jail and was not able to tweet or respond or do anything other than DM all last night and uh, just in the last half hour. I have been freed from Twitter jail. Oh, congrats. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. It's great. I've just been able to retweet our Winnipeg Sports Talk tweet that we are live today. Never had that happen before. Well, there's a lot of get off my lawn memes uh, from you yesterday of and memes of Abe Simpson uh, yelling at a cloud with uh, reference to you being mad online about Canada Life Center going cashless. And this is what we talk about when it's the NHL All-Star break. I mean... We're so star for Jets news. I told you they announced the new numbers today, and you should have seen your people. Uh, you know, should have seen your face when I told you, like, hey, they just announced the new numbers. Yeah, we're all we're all excited. What's uh, Alex Iafalo gonna wear? But uh, I mean, they announced it was going cashless. I really had had no reaction. I'll ask you, what would you rather have? Uh, be allowed to use cash at Canada Life Center or uh, getting rid of uh, the digital board ads on the TV? Oh, cash. You'd rather have the cat. You're okay with the board yeah, ads. I'm not triggered by the digital board ads. I, like about like one game in, it was like whatever. I'm not. I I don't have as a. Uh, I'm not as dis- easily distracted as you. I guess when it comes down. What to about it. Uh, okay? What would you rather I have? Better con- concentration skills. Okay, 
you can use cash or the NHL, uh, you know, makes it changes the point system for three point th- games for th- yeah, for three, but yeah, get rid of to make it more even, like three, two, one point system, three point games without a doubt. I will, yeah. I will deal with it. Um, you know what? Like, honestly, the, the, this just comes down to it. Like, I, I totally get that the majority of people, and even myself, more often than not, probably now use cards for all of that. I, I guess I was just asking out loud, like, why it's not accepted anymore. And, you know, we kind of had a bit of a discussion. That, you know, I understand there is probably savings on the company side uh, that they don't have to take time to cash out like they would normally mm-hmm. do with cash before. Like, I'm not sure that's good or bad for the employees. I mean, so what? They get an extra, they get 15 or 30 minutes less of their shift because they don't have to do that. I, mean, I guess there's some efficiencies involved. That the bottom line is this more just comes from personal experience. Like anyone that says that it is faster, I think is out of their minds. I mean, and this is how the Twitter ban happened. Someone had said, you know, uh, well, you know, listen to us. I mean, I order the thing. They give me the machine and I put in the tip or whatever and pay while they're pouring the beers and it's quicker. And, And my response to them was, well, that's great that you do it that way. That rarely happens that way. And for everyone that's efficient like you, there's 10 bozos that, you know, put in the wrong number or time out or something, and they have to do it again. I mean, anyone that's been at a bomber game, I'm sure will agree that putting in cashless transactions has done nothing but slow down the operation. And frankly, I really think cost the bombers a ton of money, especially when things have gone down, which has happened on a couple of occasions. Yeah, I do remember when it gets too cold for the machines. Again, I don't really have cash, so I didn't really care. It didn't move the needle for me. You were very upset online yesterday and got a ton of reaction or comments on yesterday's show. And I, I, I wasn't I mean, some, very upset. Like, let's were, not. I, I, was, I was just making. I was just making that point. And listen, there's a lot of people that do agree with me. Um, I just think you're getting, it's like getting mad that we don't use like cassette tapes anymore, Huss. It's like, no, why are, that, it, that, what are you talking That's yes, a terrible analogy. Yes, I think that. It I is look, legal tender. It is the basis of our economy. And guess what? The banks and the credit card companies don't get a piece of it. Like, is everyone like so pro bank and credit card company forcing everyone to put things on their card? Like, that's the one thing, the irresponsibility of the consumer today. It's part of the reason why our country's in tons of debt and half the people out there are way over their head in debt. Tell me I'm wrong. All right. <laughs> I don't here's know. one other thing. Here's one other thing. And this yeah. is the final thing on this. And this is the question I will ask to you. Here's a bit. Here's an extra why not question of the day for not Autocorp overly Waverly McGilvery. For those of you that are parents... And I got thinking about this as I was unable to tweet my responses last night. How do you teach your kids the value of money now? Like if everything is done on a card, like if you're sending your kid to the game, like back in the day, you could, hey, here's 10 bucks, go buy yourself something. And the kid would realize, well, this is this much. I could get a hot dog and a drink. I could get, like, how does that work now? When everything is just tap, tap, tap. 
Like, I would imagine, and I would be very interested, even though I don't have to deal with this, um, how, like, parents do that. Like, in a world that is going progressively cashless, how you teach kids the value of money. Have you thought about that, Remus? I don't You've know. got kids. Have you thought well, about how I you're going to do that? How are these... We're just going to be here. Get whatever you want. Hey, there I you know, go. It, I know we've been on this for a while, but I'll say, how are these companies going to market to me if they don't have my information I'm giving to them with all these credit card transactions. How am I going to get at personalized ads? That's what I want to know. How would I get them? So, <laughs> anyway, this is it. This is what it comes down to. Are you with the big banks or are you with me? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what side are you on in this? That's... Anyways, fun way to start. And I appreciate all the takes on that. Either way, I'm sure we'll figure out how to get by. Um, but for all of you that take way too long with these damn transactions, get your shit together because we don't want to wait for you to figure it out. That, that's yeah. really what it comes down to. Don't forget your pin. Don't, you know what I've exactly. done too? I type in, I go to type in the tip and you type in the wrong amount and you have to like, oh no, I got to restart it. And then you hold up the whole line. But we did have, um, we did have some Jets news, Huss, and we've been waiting for these. Yes. Like, so let, let me just, I have not, I, I'm going to be able to react live on this because okay. I have not seen, I've not seen the numbers yet. Let me know, Remus. I'm a big number guy, as we know. We'll see if there's any former players that have worn these numbers before. Okay, let's get to it. New numbers for the Jets. Okay, wait. Yeah. Hold on. I'm responding to a comment in, in chat who says, Remo, they have my Facebook, my joke about being served ads. You know what? Like, I have a conversation with my wife about Restorelax, and the next thing I know, I get Restorelax ads on Instagram. So, like, I mean, what do you want me to do here? They have everything he's anyway. a massive like he's basically a, a Zuckerberg guy. I mean, loves yeah. Facebook. What he frankly he'd probably prefer that everyone you'd have to pay Me? through your Facebook account. Zuckerberg. Oh yeah, whatever. Oh, yeah. Okay, Here, here's the Jets um, jersey numbers. Okay, ready? Alex, I follow. You want to know? Yes. Are you okay with him wearing this number, Hus? Let's see. Number nine. Number nine. I follow. Formerly worn by uh, Cop and Kane. Absolutely. Great number. Now, I follow. Great, great number. Historic number. Um, and listen, <laughs> I mean, I know it brings people up. Listen, I'm not sure there's a lot of people in today's day and age that want the no one to wear it because of Bobby Hull. So, and that ship has sailed, obviously, with Cop wearing it and with the Vander Kane wearing it. Uh, nine looks great. That's that's the sort of uh that listen, two thumbs up for that number. Number nine, okay. classic, classic number. Welcome to the team. Yeah, I wear number nine uh, in my league too, so uh, I'm I'm a number nine guy. Uh, number okay, Gabe Velarde. You know, we want to know what his number is. Actually, I didn't. We didn't even talk about this. I just noticed it, Hus. The arbitration dates are set for the hearings, um, so we're gonna have some Jets news before. What is it? The 28th is July 28th is Gabe Velarde's arbitration hearing and August 2nd is Morgan Barron. So we'll have to pencil arbitration week to have some signings. But uh, Gabe said, Velarde, it's in, it's inconceivable that they would go to arbitration with Gabriel Velarde. I, I would say that the chances of that are like 0 0.001 yes. and um, and still very, very low with Morgan Barron. This is not an outcome that either side wants, and especially for a new player coming over in the PLD trade, the centerpiece of it, it's not going to arbitration. So we'll find out what that deal looks like in the next couple of weeks. Yeah. Okay, what number is he wearing? Gabe Velarde. He's rocking, formerly worn by Kyle Wellwood, 
Brandon Tanev, Zach Sanford, and Pierre-Luc Dubois, number 13 for Gabe Velarde. Love it. Oh, man, 9 and 13, two of my favorite hockey mm-hmm. numbers. And okay, Beautiful. Now the next one, Rasmus Kupari, wearing number 15, formerly oh, 15. worn by Tanner Glass, Mike Santarelli, Matt Halschuk, and Matt Hendrickson. I got to give a shout out to Dave from Legal Curve for putting these together so I, I know who wore what number. Really important information. I was gonna say, I was gonna try and let, rattle off some guys that were old fifteens, but uh, you took. Uh, I, took I took it all. Already. Sorry, you want me? To, you want to do the trivia portion? Okay. No, 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 that's fine. That's fine. In in fact, I mean, um, there was a few. I would have forgot about Santarelli. Who can forget the Santarelli? Year? I'm a Hendrix guy that came in. He was the shootout specialist. Yeah, <laughs> I'm a Hendrix uh, Halschuk guy. Mostly Halschuk. I was a big fan. Big fan of his. Um. And the other one, okay, uh, what do you got? Lauren Brosuahas. He wore LB. number okay, wore number thirty last time. He's making a change here. Oh this one. Uh thirty-nine for Lauren Brosois. And he was wearing thirty-nine in Vegas, uh, if I'm oh, not. Oh, was mistaken. he? Okay. Yeah. So he's wearing formerly worn by uh, Toby Enstrom and Dave has Jeff Malott wearing thirty nine in the in the NHL. 2022. Ooh, if a gets called back up, I guess he's going to need another number. Um, Barflies wasn't Hedberg. Oh, Anders Hedberg. I believe Anders Hedberg was. Uh, was number 15. Oh, and Bailey, the official intern dropping in. Uh, do we have a number for VL too? Yeah, Jeffrey VL of the All Food Team. Uh, he's rocking Patrice Cormier. He's old number 28. 28. Also worn, worn by Roslovic, Nate Beaulieu, and Kevin Stenland. Jeffrey All I can v- think of is Ray Newfeld. <laughs> Newf, the hands of stone, coming over for Dave Babich in that deal. He was number 28. Tw- although 28 is a good number for uh, a tough guy, I would say. You think so? Yeah. I, I guess. I don't know. I don't know if any tough, like Jack Rolsevic award for the Jets. Not, I wouldn't consider him a tough guy. Well, no, but- he definitely was not. He was far <laughs> from it. He, <laughs> I would agree with you. I would and agree with you on that. We do have one more number. Uh, never been worn by a Jet. Colin Delia is going to be rocking number 60. Oh, 60. Bizarre number. That's a, let's face it, that's a training camp number for a guy <laughs> that, if I see a guy wearing 60, I am assuming that he is going to probably not even get into the first exhibition game and will be on his way back to junior or the East Coast League. <laughs> but goalies, goalies, I guess, are a little different. Corey Crawford was always wearing 50. Um, and, of course, um, Dubois switched to uh, 80 Yeah, because of the, um, well, what was the uh, Columbus Kivlenitz. Blues name? Yes, Lennitz, uh, who uh, It was who the uh, anniversary 80, so. of, his, of his death, uh, July 4, which is, I was reminded of an incredibly sad story, but uh, yes, Call of Duty S60, and that has never been worn. And Dave notes here at illegalcurve.com. That's a first timer. Uh, Dominic Divincentis wore 60 in a Young Stars game. Does that count? Is that <laughs> Alex Howe, good call. 60. Jose Theodore. Oh, okay. There we go. The Propecia King. 
Jose Theus. So there you go. That's your Jets. That's the Jets news today, uh, July 13th. Live, Hustler reacts to the Winnipeg Jets. <laughs> New numbers. I got to say, I'm, I'm fired up. And, and listen, uh, Velarde and Ayafalo, number nine and number 13, great numbers. And mm. if you were thinking about, uh, listen, maybe you want to see what the Velarde contract looks like. The team does have him, though, under team control for four years. A number 13, pop on down to Royal Sports. Get ready for the upcoming well, season. Someone, someone here commented that they wanted to change the nameplate on their Dubois jersey that was from a 13 before that, you know, he switched to 80, changes the yep. name bar from Dubois to Velarde. I'm not a big, I think if, if he signs a four-year deal, let's say, I think Evolving Hockey had like four-year, 4.5 or something, something in that range. Um, maybe you would change it. Although I kind of like, I think when you buy a jersey, that's like a snapshot. It's like taking a picture. It's a snapshot in time. You don't always have to have like the current, the current do. Like it doesn't matter to me if they're on. I prefer, actually prefer they didn't play. Uh, for the team, I think that's that's more fun. Like sign me up for a fifteen Alice Chuck jersey, us. But uh, well, we'll what see. What number did you wear? Uh, Back in your minor hockey, I days. was always nine. Nine. That was the I like, had... my first year. I went and every jersey was taken. Everyone wanted thirteen that year. I think nine was the last one. And my dad's like, "Oh, nine's actually a pretty sick number," and I've just had it pretty much every year. I had. I did have nine for a couple of years, and then. But thir- there wasn't very many 13s. Like, 13 wasn't a number that was usually available mm. on the teams that I was on. When it was, I did get it. So, yeah, I think I'm definitely partial to those two. But, uh, hey, our pals at Royal Sports are ready for you. You want to get a number 9? You want to get a 13 for Ayafalo or Velarde or a Campari or maybe a 60 for Colton Delia? Go for it. You know where, uh, you know where that is. Uh, that is ready to go. Uh, Rewell, we're gonna we'll maybe get into this with Rewiki. Can you explain this to me? Alex Galchenyuk signed with the Coyotes on July first. Today, they waived him for the purpose of terminating his contract. Twelve days. Does that make any sense? I think the obvious answer is no. But what the heck is going on? Um. Well, Greg Wyshynski did some reporting, and the the Coyotes had this like cryptic statement where they like don't want you to you know have wild rampant speculation, but their statement uh, does nothing but create that. When they tweet out, the Coyotes have placed forward Alex Galchenyuk on unconditional waivers for purposes of terminating his contract. The club will have no further comment at this time. And Greg Wyshynski of ESPN tweeted out regarding Alex Galchenyuk, who's going to have his contract terminated by the Arizona Coyotes just 12 days after they signed him. An NHL source tells ESPN that the Coyotes had discovered an, quote, off-ice situation, unquote, uh, impacting Galchenyuk that was previously unknown to the team. So we don't know what that off-ice situation is, but uh, 12 days later, terminating. Uh, the guy's uh, the guy's contract for an off ice situation. We don't know what it is. You want to speculate here? Very since very there's no strange. other other news. Should we <clears throat> sit here? But no, I'm not not going to do that. And I mean, I don't know what it is, but uh, a strange situation with the Coyotes. Well, no, I mean, I, listen, I saw that, and then I looked at my Twitter feed, and I saw cocaine was trending, 
But then I clicked on it and it was just a bunch of unhinged press conferences about something happening in the White House. And I immediately went back to looking at replies about a cashless society and being able to buy beer with a $20 bill at hockey games, which has dominated the feed for the last little bit. Anyways, we're going to get to Brandon Wiki coming up in just a second. Hey, got to give a shout out to our friends over at Modern Man Barbershop. Guys, if you need a cut, you know where to go. Modern Man, eight locations in Winnipeg including their newest locations on Pemina Highway or Plessy Road. They've got you covered with haircuts, beard shaping, shaves, color services, and more. And you can book your look now at modernmanbarber.com and give them a follow on Instagram over at Modern Man Barber Shops. Uh, hey, pool time is, uh, well, it's basically been pool time this entire summer, although I do see we've just got a severe thunderstorm watch in effect right now. Why not make 2023 the year you take the plunge? Visit aqua-tech.ca to design your own custom pool. Their team can provide on-the-spot pricing from designers as well as financing options that suit you. And whole home rentals start with Aquatech as well. With thousands of rentals as their foundation, let Aquatech upgrade any space in your home. Aquatech's ready to make your rental dreams a reality. Learn more about design, pricing, and financing options at aqua-tech.ca. We've got to give a shout-out to our friends at Manitoba Battery. Right now, everyone's trying to max out on their summer fun with the kids out of school um and hey, you need batteries for all those summer toys whether you're needing a working on a jet ski an atv a lawn tractor or uh just something for the trailer that you're heading out had a bunch of people say they've had a great experience supporting manitoba battery who supported us so well best part about it is you're going to get the best price in town they're beating the pants off the big box stores and you will get free delivery anywhere in the city of winnipeg with purchases over 60 bucks. Excuse me, give them a shout at uh, Manitoba Battery. Go to manitobabattery.com and find out more on everything the Manitoba Battery has waiting for you and uh, save time and money. Let's get Brandon Rewicki in here, the host of Skates and Plates, wherever you get your favorite podcast. Brandon, what is going on? How are you? I'm doing good, man. Doing good. What's going on? Well, not a lot. We spent a lot of time talking about the new numbers of the Winnipeg Jets and uh, basically uh, whether you can buy beer with the 20 right now. But uh, what do you make of the Jets roster right now? Post-free agency, where are you at with the club? Um, yeah, I would say more PayPal than even cash nowadays. Like, why why even waste your time with anything actual physical? Like, just use some kind of a pay app. Um, where am I at right now? I don't know. It, it feels incomplete for sure. I mean, I guess the scariest part is just the worry that this team is doing the old one foot in, one foot out. You know what I mean? Like, are we going for it with Shifley and Hellebuck in their last years? Are we actually rebuilding and pushing things a little bit more towards the future, maybe even next season? Or are we trying to do both at the same time? And we all know when teams do both at the same time, uh, generally, you end up with everybody upset and angry by the end of the season. So, I mean, I think the offseason has gone pretty well for them so far. But I I still don't really get what the direction of the team is at the moment. And maybe they're being held hostage by some lackluster proposals for the two big guys that are left here right now. But I, I, I guess when I look at the team right now, I, I, all I wonder really is just, what one, what is the overarching plan here? And, and I guess what are the expectations from from management and ownership and and what's what's the plan moving forward again that was one of my questions going into last year and i think we kind of understood it to to a degree 
But I think going into the offseason, it was, okay, well, what's the plan moving forward here? And I, I don't think we're any closer to figuring that out right now. Having said that, they've they built themselves, I think, a team that might be better than they had last year. But I still just don't know what the direction that this club wants to go in for the next two, three, four years. Well, the funny thing about it is that you can make the argument that you just said that this team is actually maybe poised to be even better than it is right now as it is. That changes significantly if Connor Hellebach or Mark Shifley are traded, and I think we've heard enough scuttlebutt around that, that that is very possible. If they go into the season, this is the thing that I, I think would drive some people nuts. If you go into the season, you're doing pretty well, and then you ride it through till the end and end up losing those players for nothing. Um, but at the same time, I think we understand that if this team maybe came together, you've got some new leaders on the club, even if Shifley's around, I mean, that's a, 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 a separate, um, I guess, topic, if you will. Maybe he thrives in a contract year and you know, proves a lot of people wrong, myself included. Um, and Hellebuck's still around. Maybe you think you have a shot. Although, I mean, so say you even win a round, you're bounced in round two. Where does that leave you at the end well, of next season? And I think here's my thing about just, just that line of thinking, Huss. Like, let's say they go in with Shifley and Hellebuck and, and, and the team as it is right now, maybe like a minor addition, but nothing too earth-shattering. What, what's best-case scenario for the Jets look like? Like, are they the sixth-best team in the West? In a, in a Western Conference that is just pales in comparison to the slaughterhouse that is the East, you know what I mean? Like, I, I, I don't know. I, I think... I think as it stands right now, the Jets are for sure behind Colorado, for sure behind Vegas, for sure behind Edmonton. There's three. I mean, then you have Dallas, I would say, for sure behind as well. Like I think best best case scenario would have the Jets fifth in the West, and you could make a very, very reasonable argument that you know Minnesota could be placed ahead of them, and then Los Angeles as well could be placed ahead of them. And at that point, you're talking about, what, the seventh or eighth best team in the Western Conference, and you're doing that just to – potentially mortgage the future of the franchise instead of completely turning over a new leaf and, you know, whatever the assets that might come back from Hellebuck and Shifley are. That, that, that's my big concern with this. Well, uh, I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I'm, there's nothing you said that's wrong, but I'll counter with the fact that the Florida Panthers got in the playoffs 24 or 48 hours before because the Pittsburgh Penguins lost to Columbus and went to the Stanley Cup final. <laughs> they beat the East, which was way better than the West last year. I guess the point is that if if Connor Hellebuck is your goaltender and he's playing at his best and you've got a team that, you know, rises to the occasion, I mean, you know what they say, anything is possible. And, I mean, history has told us that is true. Is it likely? No. <laughs> that's the other thing. I mean, if you're playing yeah. the odds, yeah, that's fair. You're, 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 moving, uh, you're moving on. And, but I guess this comes back to it. I mean, and I know it was funny. I mean, Avco was giving me a bit of heat for, you know, my Shifley takes um, and just saying that, you know, it was, it was almost common on that. Listen, if there wasn't issues with Mark, I don't think we'd be hearing about the Winnipeg Jets seriously talking about trading him. I think we're talking about them being trying to re-sign him. I think we know the situation and where things are with him. Um, and obviously, Hellebuck... We understand that he wants to, you know, sign his next contract probably somewhere south of the border. So it is what it is. And how do you handle that? I mean, do you 
do you take one more swing? I mean, I would say no to that. I think most people would agree just because it's not like this team is right there at the top. However, um, you know, if you do get into this season and things start going well and, you know, things are clicking, it does make it a hell of a lot harder to trade. But how can you make those moves right now if there really isn't a market? I mean, I think the worst thing and what people would really be offended at is trading great assets like that for 50 cents on the dollar because that's all you can get. Yeah, I mean, look, it's tricky. There's no doubt about it. To, to me, I look at it, you know, in, in a pretty simple manner in the sense that, you know, I and I'm, you know, count me in team. Let's try to extend Hellebuck for as much as we can here and essentially make him Mr. Winnipeg Jet when he retires. Like, I, I have no problem with the team going out and making him six, seven, eight-year offer, whatever it might be to keep him here in Winnipeg because he's one of the two or three best at his position in the entire NHL. Um, and then I think just Mark Shifley needs to be moved in terms of finalizing the the culture, reset, reshift, whatever word you want to use um, to, to, to kind of figure it out there. And if it's 60, 75 cents on the dollar, then that's the best we can do right now. But I'm, I'm not looking to maximize my return in a Mark Shifley trade because I think it's more important to this organization's health present, short-term and long-term to kind of stamp out a new path for this team. And I think even if the Jets just did that, Hus, I think even if the Jets moved on from Mark Shifley right now and they got, let's just say, a, a, an okay return, a B-level return for him, I'd be totally fine with having Connor Hellebuck start game one of the season for the Jets this year. And then if you want to do the let's see where the chips go after that, then then that's okay. Because we've seen teams sign guys that are days away from free agency you know, Steven Stamkos comes to mind out there in Tampa Bay. I mean, it looked like Stammer was out the door, right? And the Lightning find a way to keep him in the fold, and it obviously worked out in the, the perfect manner for them. Um, I'm I'm okay with playing the long game with Connor Hellebuck. I don't think that's a... I just don't think that's the way the Jets should go about it with Mark Shifley at this point. So to me, it, it seems like there should be a pretty clear line in the sand that he's one of the last vestiges of the the former regime that led to one of the more more uh cantankerous one of the one of the more divisive locker rooms in the entire nhl and i think this team can take a step forward with him out of the picture and then we wait and see what happens with connor hellebuck whether that be an improved offer from a new jersey or somebody else or likes what he sees here and you're able to give him the money that he's able to get because it doesn't sound like he's going to be able to get that anywhere other than winnipeg um if if a Shifley deal, if the team does what you're thinking, they said, hey, we really do want to move on. We feel it's important to do that. And they get, you know, uh, maybe, you know, they're moving in. Maybe they can help do something with their blue line and avoid, you know, how, you know, how crowded and confused it is. But there's not a guy coming in that you're immediately putting in, you know, in a top two center position. How do things shake out? Like, if Mark Scheifele's not part of this situation, I mean, you can say, oh, the dressing room might be better. You're also losing 42 goals. Um, how do you handle that? Or is it a matter of changing the way the team plays and leaning more on every player and not on one guy to be out there for long shifts and all the power play time um, and really doing it more as a team? And that really will kind of be on the shoulders of bonus and the coaching staff as well as getting the most out of the new players. Yeah, I mean, it makes you worse. Like You can't argue it in, in this scenario, right, where you're getting, let's just say, futures in return here and nothing that's going to be 
you know, ready to play 18, 19, 20 minutes a night for the upcoming season. I mean, it's just, it, it's impossible to sugarcoat it. The Jets will be a worse team in the short term. Um, how, how much of a lift do you get in terms of the addition by subtraction? I mean, that, that's, that's an interesting one because we've seen Minnesota do that in the past. Where they, I mean, they, they got nothing, right? But they were able as a team to play um, a much more cohesive, tighter game. And while playoff success has you know, been zilch for them so far, I think a lot of Minnesota Wild fans feel pretty good about the, the state of their club right now as opposed to what it might be if both of those two were still in there um, with, with, with the Minnesota Wild. So it, it, it definitely gives you a massive, massive spike downwards in the short term. There, there's no doubt about that. But, you know, at the same time, you're going to give a chance for a Velarde potentially to play 19, 20 minutes a night, a Cole Perfetti. Hey, let's find out if you're a centerman at the NHL level and you're getting 17, 18, 19 minutes a night as well. So sometimes, you know, we find in the NHL, especially nowadays, that you give some of these young, talented guys opportunities. That's all they need to showcase that they can play with the best of the best. I think when when people talk about, you know, what can you learn from, from Vegas's Stanley Cup run and maybe even a little bit of what Seattle's doing right now, you know, people will point to the the size they have on the back end. But to me, the, the greatest thing that Vegas did that, that could be copied from any team out there is that they just gave guys opportunities. Like, that was it. They just gave guys that would have never gotten significant, substantial minutes on any other team a chance. And, and, and you see what happens there. Um, and I th- kind of think of the Jonathan Kovacevic situation with Winnipeg last year where, you know, he just got a chance in Montreal and they've got themselves at the worst third pair defenseman, but probably a second pair defenseman for nothing. I think there's that aspect of it that intrigues and excites me and a lot of the people that I've talked to, Hus, where it's like, let's just get some new blood in here and see what happens. And it might be, maybe it is a Perfetti or a Velarde. Maybe it's somebody we haven't heard of yet that just hasn't gotten an opportunity. They get it here at Winnipeg. You'd be playing with an Ehlers or a Connor down the middle there, and maybe the Jets strike gold on somebody that you never would have dreamed of. But it's not going to happen if we keep, you know, returning the same guys year in, year out when we know the positives, we know the negatives, and ultimately I think we know what the ceiling of the Winnipeg Jets would be um, if a Mark Shifley came back and how that forward core would look. Yeah, no uh, no doubt. Um, let's move over to remaining free agents. I mean, obviously there wasn't, I mean, this was not a, a banner free agent class to begin with. Um, and, you know, as usual, a lot of money was spent on July 1st, but credit to the general managers. I mean, they didn't seem to blow their brains out, um, you know, with crazy AAVs and term, most importantly. I mean, a lot of the guys sort of went on a one-year deal or a two-year deal knowing that the cap's going to be more and hopefully they can have a good season or two. I have to wonder, though, why do you think Matt Dumba is still unsigned right now? I mean, we know the scarcity of right to, right-handed defensemen. He certainly has a physical edge. Not a huge offensive player, but certainly a guy that I think could play in a lot of top fours in the league. Any thoughts? And I mean, again, we don't know what the negotiations are. Maybe they're asking for a certain amount and it's just not there in a lot of spots. But no, that's the one name that when I look at remaining NHL free agents, I'm really surprised that he's still available to uh, the highest bidder. Kind of reminds me of the John Klingberg situation last year, right? Where everybody just kind of assumed he would get like a long, some kind of a long-term decent money deal and it doesn't happen for him. And then you're, you're just kind of left waiting, right? Well, didn't Klingberg? I mean, I, I think back to, you know, there's there's risk and reward in a lot of these negotiations. 
And I'm pretty sure that Dallas offered him a long-term extension. Big years, big money. Yeah, in and around $7 million. I think from the points that he had the year before, he was thinking he was going to get eight and a half or something more. They didn't take that. He ended up getting a one-year deal for seven, and now he's got a one-year deal at 4.1. Um, sometimes you got to take you got to take what's on the table, and uh, that might be one of the best examples of it. Not to mention, he would have stayed with the team that he'd been with all the entire time. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure he fired his agent while free agency was still ongoing, which kind of I think illustrates some of the. Well, Tarasenko yeah, has done the same thing. Yeah, Tarasenko is an odd one though because it's like. I don't know what more his agent could have done. <laughs> like there, there was a limited market for him, and teams were probably going to give him a one-year deal regardless. And it's like, I mean, there sounded like there was like five, six mil on the table for you. Pretty good business for for one year to go to a contender like Carolina and get that much money. But I think with Dumba at this point, you're you're probably just weighing out your options in the sense of you you really only have two different ways you can go in this. Both of them are going to be a one-year deal, I would imagine. But it's essentially, do you want to go to a contender? And maybe they have to clear out some cap space first to, to bring him in. But do you want to go to a contender on a on a cheap one-year deal and, and try to have some success that way? Or do you go to one of the five worst teams in the NHL, you sign a one-year middle-type money deal, and hope that a move at the deadline to a contender skyrockets your value and your salary for when you hit free agency next year, and hopefully you're able to cash in when the cap goes up. I I think those are your only options at this point if you're Dumba. And for me, uh, give me give me option B all day long where you can play 25 minutes a night in a crappy team, have those counting stats, the points, the ice time, and all that go way, way up, and then hope you have a big-time playoff run um, because we know GMs love to pay defensemen based on time on ice and points, and he'd probably have a pretty good opportunity to do that somebody, somewhere on, on one of the cellar-dwelling teams. So I, I imagine that's where we see him go. Um, but I, I'm with you, man. I, I'm surprised. I thought as far as defensemen go, like he would have been probably my first target as far as the demon that were available for free in free agency. But I guess other teams didn't quite see it that way. Well, and I mean, listen, I mean, you look at this list and obviously Patrick Kane's at the top of it. He's had having surgery. I'm sure he'll be a ad at some point for a team midseason. Um, Taves, I mean, for all the talk about Taves, I've heard nothing that says he's looking to return. I, I mean, that's, I guess, a bit more of a mystery in Tarasenko. But the guys that sort of stand out to me are the guys that are under 30. Dumba's 28. Um, you've got Vince Dunn in Seattle is 26. And Pugliarvi's 25. I'm not sure whether he's even going to be here. And then what's Ethan Bear? Ethan Bear's 26 as well, like a good depth defenseman. Those are the guys that I thought might have one-year deals, at least, if they were willing to take them. Dumba maybe more. Yeah, I mean, but you're also seeing, even with some of the RFAs, maybe almost all the RFAs this offseason, you know, I was in, in the group that was like, why would the Jets go two years with Sandberg, right? Like, try try to lock him down long-term. Well, well, guess what? Literally every RFA is doing right now. I'll take a two-year bridge deal, and then when the cab jumps up $10 million, let's talk about a new contract at that point. So, I mean, it's, you know, there's only GMs, so much GMs can do if, if the player, the RFA, is looking for a certain deal. You almost have to, to acquiesce to, to what their ass are there. But it, it does it does feel like you mentioned GMs were, were patient this offseason for the first time maybe in forever. But it just feels like everybody's waiting for next year. That next year is going to be the big one. So, hey, we'll sign our one-year cheapy this year. 
but the players are going to get big money and the GMs are going to go absolutely nuts this upcoming season. Um, I, I guess the only, you know, somewhat negative from this on a Jets perspective is that they can't go out and really get too many bargain buys just because they're, they're crowded everywhere. Like there's, there's really no room at the move at the moment for the Jets to bring somebody in because they've got to get rid of quite possibly two guys on the back end. And then up front, you know, unless you want to send somewhat promising youngsters to the minors, they're, they're pretty much set on that front as well. Yeah. And, and I mean, as it stands right now, um, like I don't see a lot of possibility that Billy Hanel is getting much of a chance next year and whether or not he deserves it. People can have that entire debate. But they're going to not want to have Declan Chisholm go. And, I mean, they may have to carry eight defensemen out of the gate, and that doesn't include Billy. I really don't. <laughs> I remember us having this conversation. It might have been at this time last year, but for sure in, like, August of last year, being like there's no way they carry this same group into training camp. Like, there's just no way that they can do this again. And they did it again last year when we thought it was impossible. Now there's a chance they might do it for a second year running. Um, I, again, I, I just I can't imagine it, Hus. I, I really can't. And even if it's just taking on another team's Billy Hanela, you know what I mean? Like taking on another reclamation project and maybe the change of scenery thing works out for everybody. I, I, I just don't know how you can go into training camp with this being on the back burner yet again. And, and I think, too, depending on what direction the team wants to go in here, I mean, I hear so much that the Jets don't want to lose Chiz on the waivers. And, and, and to me, it's not even that. It's shouldn't this kid be getting some playing time right now? Like right off the bat, he's Billy Hanel has shown a lot. But I think Declan Chisholm's shown enough, too, to see. Let's find out what this guy can do at the NHL level. And I, I think that's another thing the Jets need to be pivoting a lot more towards is, you know, when teams might go, the tie goes to the vet. The Jets need to go now that the tie goes to the youngster here. Because there's no way you can be a draft and develop team without developing your players at the NHL level. And I, I personally, I would like to see Chisholm line up on the third pair for the Jets on opening night. But I'll be very, very pleasantly surprised if they find a way to do that. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it would it would probably take a trade. Um, I mean, you know, the, and the guys that have, I mean, there are a couple guys with one year left. And I mean, maybe this happens at some point in the season. I mean, Brandon Dillon, Dylan DeMello. Although I think they probably, of all the guys, I think they really like those guys and think they fit in well with this group and probably would like to keep them. Obviously, Nate Schmidt's got a bit of an albatross with two years left at 5'9". And that, uh, I mean, I know that, you know, Dreger mentioned that they had talked about having that being a piece that moved to Philly for the Travis Sanheim deal. That doesn't get you anywhere closer to uh, having a spot for those young players to play, though, because you still have a guy making big money, and in that case, you'd have him signed for an extra six yes. years. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 again, I, I, it kind of brings me back to what we talked about at at the top, and it's just what what's the plan? Like, what, what what's the plan there with the back end? What's the plan up front? What's the plan with the team as a whole? And I, <laughs> I wonder if they know. I wonder if the Jets know too, Hus. Like, I don't think the fans know, but I, I, I don't know if management knows all that much either. Um, I, 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 it's just tough to get it. It's not like we're talking about a a back end that's top ten in the NHL, and you're okay with running it back, right? Like, you're you're talking about probably league average if if you're being kind when you take a look at some of. Although with Morrissey's emergence. As a stud, it's probably in the the upper half, but it's it's probably just a league average defense core at this point, and it just seems bizarre to me. Like they're 
so beholden to keep every member here when there's a few youngsters that I think would be able to give the same level of performance as the vets ahead of them at a quarter of the cost. But we'll see what happens. Yeah, I, I mean, listen, I think this speaks to, I mean, it, listen, if you have a tough time finding a taker at anything even close to market value from Mark Shifley or Connor Hellebuck, well, I mean, how how difficult is it to, to trade some of those other guys? And again, yeah. we've talked about some of those other defensemen, like a Dumba that's available right now for nothing. Doesn't seem very easy to be moving around those pieces right now. Now, injuries happen earlier on in the season. I'm sure that that part probably is the plan to kind of, play the market as it potentially changes moving forward. Uh, what's coming up on uh, skates and plates during this uh, dull time of the middle of July? It's a good question, us. A good question. I might, it might be a Puck Doku episode. I, I don't know how. I'm assuming you and Remo are hardcore to that. Uh, my, my, my unique, my rarity score is always through the roof. I, 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 I get to have, I, I usually am, like, I, I don't know about you guys, but I like, I set a five-minute time limit because... If you have all day, like you're going to figure out some random backup goalie or, you know, seventh defenseman that played on a couple of teams. Uh, so I set a time limit. And yeah, I've been like my last one, I think, was like 21 or something like that. So I was able to, if I can, if I can stay under 30, I think that's kind of my goal. So I, I haven't checked out today's Puck Doku, but um, I did it. I did a lot of work it's earlier. It's so an interesting it one. The uh, there's blue jackets, ducks, sharks in there. And then the the stat one is 100 plus penalty minute seasons oh yeah you you had to do it for the team right in that yeah exactly yeah like the columbus one was a little obvious i i had a tough time thinking right off the bat about 100 plus minutes uh pims for the hurricanes that one yeah carolina is actually well i got i i mean i can give you a couple right now i mean for the hurricanes since it's technically whalers you could probably go brendan shanahan Columbus, you could do Jody Shelley or Jared Good Bull. job. Good job. Yeah, Shelley. Shelley was it. Okay. You know who I put for Ducks? This is a good one. Uh, BXA? No. Kevin Sawyer. Oh, Kevin nice. Kevin Sawyer, nice. no way. And what was the what was the point two percent? Point two percent. Remo. That's nicely done. That's nicely done. I said as in a group chat, I was like, I'm using Kevin Sawyer for one of these if I can and like memorize his teams. But uh, this so was this was a gimme. <laughs> wow, we may have to get him on at some point over this next little bit to uh, discuss him being an answer in the puck doku. That's exactly what we needed. <laughs> I used um, ninety on one. I got to use Trevor Kid. I got to find. We got to we got to use Trevor Kid when we can. I guess Kid never played for Vegas. Obviously not Vegas, and not, not for quite. the Sharks. No, he didn't. So we we can't use him for this one. Oh well. Anyways, Brandon, great stuff, buddy. Thanks for uh, jumping on with us. We'll uh, catch up next week. Enjoy the weekend. Love it. Sounds good. Talk to you guys soon. Good stuff. All right. Coming up, we still have Marshall Ferguson. We're going to take a trip to the ballpark with Andrew Collier. And Murata Tesh is coming up next. Just before we do that, a big thanks to our sponsors, including our friends at Vita Health Fresh Market. Got to thank our friends at Vita Health, who have great prices on natural organic supplements, beauty products, and groceries. And Winnipeg's largest assortment of local products, too, with barbecue season in full swing. Get on down to Vita Health and stock up on some delicious Vita Market grass-fed bison and beef steaks. And, of course, they've got Guardian of Life formulas like Prostate Protect and Once Daily Men's to help support men's gastrointestinal health. Vita Health Fresh Market, empowering people that lead healthy lives. Seven Winnipeg locations and online with local delivery options at myvita.ca. 
Our friends at Wallace & Wallace are rocking this summer as Winnipeg's fencing and overhead door specialist since 1946. If your property needs the security and protection of a new fence, or if winter did a number on your old one, give them a call. Vinyl, ornamental, welded wire, chain link, or wood fences. And if it's time to replace your garage door, they've got Winnipeg's largest selection of overhead garage doors. Give them a buzz at 452-2700. The Wallace & Wallace team will arrange a time to come out and give you a free estimate. You can also visit them at wallsfences.com or pop down to their showroom on Lawson Road off of Caniston. Um, hey, our friends at F Apparel are ready for the summer and wedding season. Are you? If you need to up your menswear game right now, get on down to F Apparel. Custom suits beginning at 400 bucks, along with chinos, golf pants, custom shirts, both tucked and untucked styles, and an incredible selection of menswear accessories. In a wedding party, talk to them about a 15% discount for the entire wedding party when you get your suits at F Apparel. F's down at 190 Smith Street. Pop down and see them in person or find out more online or make an appointment at F. That's E-P-H Apparel. Dot com. And hey, a big shout out to Nick and Nikki DQ for their support of Winnipeg Sports Talk and a special happy birthday to Nick. We had a big one yesterday along with his twin brother. Um, and I'm sure they were crushing some of those delicious new summer blizzard flavors and maybe a blizzard cake for the big day for DQ Nick. Of course, if you do have a party coming up, you can order a custom blizzard or ice cream cake on Instagram at DQ Manitoba. Otherwise, pop by and see him at DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, DQ St. All right, let's uh, welcome in our pal Murata Tesh of The Athletic after uh, an eventful week at development camp, an eventful weekend. What's going on, Murata? How uh, how are you? I, I love the uh, the outdoor set scene for us today. You know, I thought that we might as well take advantage of summer, I got sunshine. I got the sounds of lawnmowers in the background. Um, but yeah, no, life is good. How are you doing, guys? I'm doing well, though. I've been very under the weather this week. I'm uh, hopefully I'll be back to a somewhat normal next week. But uh, we've been uh, we've been pushing through. Uh, although, kind of a like this is where you get into a very very slow period. Um, you know, for hockey news overall, kind of coming out of development camps. Let me ask you this. Um, and we were just talking about this with Rewiki. I mean, obviously, there's the big stories with Shifley and, and Hellebuck, and I think we all agreed that, you know, if there's a deal that makes sense for the Winnipeg Jets, that will happen. I'm not sure what the chances of are that is. But outside of those big rocks, do you think there'll be many other deals, specifically about the blue line? I mean, can they come back into training camp, regardless of what happens with Hellebuck and what happens with Shifley? with the same group, with the same challenges with the young players, and frankly, eight players that aren't waiver-exempt above Vili, if you're even considering uh, having him get a realistic shot of cracking the club early on in the season. Yeah, you know what? I I think that it's one of those situations where if you bring back that same group, you're not only sort of asking for the same exact, you know, I was going to say middling performance, and that might undersell Josh Morrissey and... Uh, it's maybe the quality of the third pairing when you have Dylan Sandberg and Nate Schmidt on it. But overall, that's not an elite group of defensemen. The other thing that you do is you're just kicking the problem down another year um, and maybe making it worse for yourself. Because Ville Hainel at this stage of the game, he's not a surefire NHL defenseman. He's not had the opportunity to take those third pairing sheltered minutes and, and work with them. 
Um, there's so many players in front of him in this situation. Got a little truck here. Um, so many players in, in front of him in this situation. I can't realistically see a world in which he doesn't start the season with the Moose again. And that's not your biggest rock, just like you said. That's absolutely not. But it's a situation where you're going to have, he's 22 now, he'll be 23 next spring. Um, a, a very talented player whose weaknesses are obvious, whose strengths are NHL quality, who's never had the opportunity to problem solve at the NHL level um, to sort of figure that out, who will, pro- who will lose his waiver's exemption. And now what do you do? You've got an asset that you've sort of taken a first round draft pick on, developed in the moose, and you've never really figured out what you had. It's Leon Gavanka 2.0. It's Jonathan Kovacevic 2.0. It's not... Your biggest rock, but that as one example of the overcrowded blue line, it's a problem. I think it is, it's an inefficient use. And um, I do think that there are, there is opportunity for Shovel Dayoff to make some tweaks to clear a little bit of space between here and September. You know, uh, it's a neat segue into uh, your latest over at The Athletic, which is sort of comparing the Jets' top prospects around, you know, with each other and, you know, with other groups around the league. But before we get to beyond other clubs, um, you can maybe fill us in on, I mean, Vili Hano still technically is a prospect for sure. Um, where does he rank amongst the hierarchy of Jets prospects in your mind, Marat? Yeah, for me, there's, there's a clear top four in Jets prospect land, and that's marked by the recent first-round forwards, Chaz Lucius, Rucker McGroarty, uh, Colby Barlow, and Brad Lambert. I think that's your obvious top tier. I've seen arguments for different versions of them in different orders, and we can get into that. After that, depending on how you look at things, there's either a pretty strong 5 to 8 contingent or kind of 5 to 10, depending on who you're including. And since I'm writing on it right now, I won't, I won't walk through every single one. But for the last time, perhaps, uh, Ville Hainala, I have given the number 5 ranking still at the top of that second tier of Winnipeg Jets prospects. And the reason why I put him at the top is because his NHL skills, his passing, his vision, his um, ability to pick a puck out of the corner and make a quick breakout pass, his offensive instincts in terms of jumping into seams in the offensive zone, all of those are NHL level. All of those are dangerous. All of those are elite at the Manitoba Moose level, such that his defensive problems, which do exist, um, at the AHL level are completely outshone by his strengths. And for my purposes, I believe in upside. And I think that if there is an opportunity for him to get a third-pairing sheltered role, probably not in Winnipeg, based on the way that I see it, he's a person who can put the puck in enough good situations for good things to happen in a best-case scenario. But Huss, by next year, he'll be 23. I'm imagining he'll be in the AHL for a lot of this season again, which will be disappointing. And at some point, the bad habits of the things that he can get away with at that level, I think are going to pay long-term fruit in a bad way in terms of his development. Like the blue sky trajectory of Villa Hainala, that ship has sailed. And, uh, and so I think this is the last time he'll be that high on this list. You know, um, let me ask you this. How do you compare Hainala and Chisholm? And I'm just looking at their numbers just from last year. And Chisholm played 11 more games scored six more points. I mean, so it'd be very similar as far as offensive output. 
Um, the one number, and I know we don't put too much stock into plus minus, the one number that really does stand out and frankly surprised me when I was looking at it was Declan Chisholm was a minus 13. Billy Hayden was a plus 20, um, which is interesting for a guy that we've heard that, you know, his knock is, you know, he playing in his own end. How do you, I mean, obviously one's a first rounder. The other guy's not waivers exempt. But when you compare those two players, and I think both have bright futures and both are legitimate prospects, um, where do you come out on those two? You know, I'm a big fan of Declan Chisholm's game. And I think that they're roughly in the same ballpark of player uh, with some definite differences. You hear Hanela get compared to Sami Niku a lot, and that's a bit of a joke. I think it's just because they're finished and they put up points. But the style of play is quite different in terms of skating mobility, defensive responsibility, all of that sort of stuff. I think Declan Chisholm is a closer match. So we got a convertible here. This outside game was a little bit of a mistake on my part, maybe. That sounds I don't know good. You... It's exciting. <laughs> yeah. We're pumped up. Declan Chisholm is a great AHL defenseman, and I think that he does have NHL third-pairing upside in him, and I think he does have an NHL career in his game. Um, at the AHL level, I rate Chisholm's ability to win one-on-one battles a little bit more than Ville Hainala. Um, so... In terms of specifically protecting the blue paint, specifically winning battles on the board, I actually like Chisholm's ability at that a little bit more. But in terms of explaining that enormous plus-minus discrepancy, we'd have to dig into it. What kind of minutes? And I know Chisholm and Gavanka were, num- were, were partners that played a lot. Gavanka's defense, I wouldn't rate that super high. Maybe that's part of the issue. Uh, maybe there's some empty net goals affecting this. Maybe there's some shorthanded goals against, you know, five on five is a bit of a junk stat or sorry, plus minus is a bit of a junk stat because it doesn't keep it to five on five. At the same time, I think it also illustrates one of the important things to think about when talking about a guy like Ville Hainala is that we know what his weaknesses are. He's a small defenseman, not strong enough to win certain battles. He's in the fight, he's in the mix, but sometimes he loses his position and that's a problem. And you can see that being a problem at the NHL level. But it brings me back to the fact that his strengths are so strong that he completely controls the AHL game. The breakouts run through him, the neutral zone transition often runs through him, offensive zone attack often runs through him. And that's a dominant player. One hopes for his sake, his strengths can outweigh, even in a third pairing role in the NHL, Declan Chisholm, I think, is a sure is a more surefire bet to have a third pairing type of career, but I don't think that his strengths quite shine as brightly. You know, I, I'm d- digging in a little bit more into your piece in the Athletic. Um, you know, we can get into the top four, and you know, listen, everyone was talking about Rucker and um, you know, obviously Colby Barlow because it was the first time we've seen both of those players. Brad Lambert and Chaz Lucius be- began last year signing contracts, being with the Manitoba Moose and went their separate ways. Um, Chaz Lucius is fascinating to me because um, there is, while maybe not as heralded as some of the others, it's the injuries that have sort of kept and held, held him back. And listen, you know, they always say the best ability is availability and that hasn't always been there, but um, you're very high on Chaz, certainly when you're ranking these players. Um, Tell us more about Chaz and why you have that opinion of him, that if he can stay healthy and stay on the ice and stay available, the sort of difference maker that he could project to be for the Winnipeg Jets down the road. Yeah, I think because of how shiny all the other top four guys are, I think Chaz Lucius kind of gets papered over a little bit, and his injury history is certainly an enormous part of that. 
But Brad Lambert comes in and had, like three on three. He has this shift in preseason last year that has everybody just scintillated, right? Like there is this offensive pop and this dyna- dynamism to him that people kind of fall in love with and, and, and catch up, catch on to, even though at that stage he had quite a lot to, to learn, especially at the pro level. He wasn't an impact moose, right? Like there's people clamoring for him to be in the NHL based on that. And yet he had a lot to learn at the pro level. And my goodness, Lambert was great in the WHL. Rucker McGrory, pardon me. Um, not only the leadership, the vibes that we're all so uh, you know, enamored by right now, but he went to Michigan and it went a point per game on one of the most dangerous lines in college as a freshman, completely val- like giving value to that pick that Winnipeg made. And then, of course, Colby Barlow, his shot is absolutely incredible. He's a 50-goal you know, scorer. He, he, like, he'll be flirting for the OHL goal lead next year for sure. He finished fifth this year. His release is incredible. And he's got the vibes too, right? So why would I put Chaz Lucius number one? He's had surgery on his shoulder, his knee, and his ankle at this point in his career. If I've got all of that right, um, it's right in the piece, but just we're trusting my memory here. That's a problem. Um, His season ended in January. It's the third straight season he's been shut down. That's a problem. But when he's been healthy and when he's been on the ice, he was a more dynamic moose player than Brad Lambert was. He put an incredible number of points together in a short sample size in the WHL when he moved there. Um, and I think everybody was excited by that. For me, with Chaz Lucius, it's upside, and it's based on the way that he gets his points. It's not just it's not just wheels. It's not just a shot. It's that he gets himself into dangerous situations in the offensive zone, and the way he processes the game, he's making reads not only of the defender that's covering him one on one, but he's sourcing out or sussing out how the coverage is on the other players in the zone as well and reading the play at an elite level that these other guys actually probably don't have. And so he's a danger as a shooter. He's a danger um, as a passer as well. And he has a combination combination part of me being able to read that game at an elite level. His shot is clever. It's tricky. He goes against the grain very often. He's a scorer at all of the levels that he's been in. Hattrick at the uh, bronze medal game of the World Juniors, including the overtime winner. And just a, a degree of hockey sense that makes me think that the offense he has now, he will be able to bring to the next levels of his game with him. And I think we're sleeping on him unless this injury history just becomes an injury future as well. Um, if he stays healthy, I think he's got a special future. Well, well let's assume and let's hope for uh, the best for him health-wise. How do you see the organization... But what do you think the best path for his him next year? I mean, he's very, very yeah, yeah, Moose and just you know the season and trying to be a top guy there and um, basically force his way up to the big club at some point. That's exactly it, and I I see like there's a rough line in the sand. If if a guy can hit about a point per game in the AHL as a 20 year old or thereabouts, close to that age you can usually project top six NHL success in their future. And I think with Lucius's health issues to this point, um, the fact that he went down to the dub, just like Lambert did last year, you know, you certainly wouldn't have seen AHL dominance yet. But I think that that's well within both players' um, wheelhouses this year. I think it would be a mistake to rush him any higher than that level. I think that these probably, and this would apply to Lambert too, I mean, not only because of age, but both players are too good for the WHL at this stage of the game. Bring them in, play them with the Manitoba Moose, let them 
be counted upon. Let them be dynamic players who know what a hot streak is like and a cold streak is like against professional players um, in a situation where they're still scoring reasonably often. Maybe mid-season they've done so well you can change how you think about it, like the Kyle Connors or Jack Rosoviks of year past, years past. But if they have to spend the entire season down there, that's not an issue for me as long as they're getting quality minutes and doing good things with them. Uh, and and I would suggest, and we sort of heard this as well from those guys in and around development camp when they spoke, that experience for a few months at the beginning of last season for both Chaz and Brad Lambert, I think is going to really help them be prepared and be ready for the challenges that this season will come, assuming that they're going to start in the American Hockey League. Yeah, I, I think about it in terms of problem solving, in terms of like, how are they going to do the thing that makes them special, right? And for Brad Lambert, we could talk about his speed and that elite skating that he has and the way that he loves to have the puck on his stick and generate. And it, like, it, you, you can look around prospects who put up a lot of points and few of them just have that hunger like Brad Lambert does to make something happen when he's got the puck on his stick. Well, at the AHL level, he's still faster than a lot of guys, but his first stint... Um, there were players thinking the game a little bit faster than him. Or maybe there were moves um, trying to go wide on people that worked for him at other levels and definitely worked for him in the WHL in terms of opening up space that didn't quite work for him yet. But the game is going to slow down a little bit as um, you know his brain catches up to the pro speed. He's going to see when he can use his speed, when he can look at other options. And he, he'll figure out other ways. Ideally, he'll figure out other ways to create time and space other than his blazing speed because he's got puck skill for days. And with Chaz Lucius, I'm talking about, well, at the levels that he's played at so far, he can go into a little bit of traffic. He's still not like a big uh, a power forward type player, but he can play through traffic because he reads it well. Well, can he do that when he's facing the men of the AHL strength and the way that he's being checked in that level with more force? Can he stay in the play and stay uh, by himself enough time uh, to make the plays that his vision allows him to make? or get into pockets of space to, to get his shot off. And I think that in terms of where they're at in their development, the AHL will be hard and a level that they can win at. And I think that's the perfect zone of development for both guys. And it'll be about figuring out how to do that thing that they do well, but at that next level against men who think, who, who think the game at that level and who have that strength as well. Um, Murad, I'm really looking forward to seeing what Colby Barlow can do in training camp. Um, as opposed to the other guys, he's the one Canadian player, and he's being drafted from the Ontario Hockey League, which means, as of right now, if he's not in the NHL, he's got two more years of junior. Um, he already seems to be a very mature player, both mentally and physically. We joke about, you know, he's growing a beard at eight years old and, you know, with the way that he looks. Um Let's just assume that he goes back to the Ontario Hockey League and has a has another great season, scores a tons of goals, and is the captain and does all that. Um, do you think that, like, let's assume that that is the case this year. Do you think he's in the mix for next season? Because it will be NHL or OHL for him as opposed to the other players that have a little bit more option. Yeah, hey, I'd love to see that, to be honest. It's interesting, like, Winnipeg has... Some some problems to solve in terms of its forward group heading into to next year as well, right? I mean, the 2024 UFA class that we, we talk about wasn't just, you know, Blake Wheeler and, and Mark Shifley and Connor Hellebuck. I mean, 
you got Nino Niederreiter, you've got various other players that like that there could be spaces and opportunities opening up. If this guy goes to the OHL this year and, and, and tears it apart and is scoring at like, I mean, three quarters of a goal per game or whatever the level that he's already hit, like the, the goals per game this guy scores, the release that he has at that level, it would be easy to make the argument after another year of that that he wouldn't be in that, like what I call the ideal zone of development where he'd just be doing the thing he's good at over and over again and scoring, and how would he be improving at that stage? Um, if he goes, and I think that there's a great chance that he sets the OHL on fire with his shot this year, I really think he's just a born goal scorer. Um, and if he does that this year, I think he can make decisions awfully hard for him in the next year. And it's a shame you couldn't put a 19-year-old, or I think 19-year-old version of him in the AHL, because if he has the year that we're talking about, that would be a realistic uh, level where I think would be a, a good challenge for him, um, if that makes sense. No, no, it certainly does. And, you know, I guess I'll transition over to Brad Lambert because Lambert, as far as his experience, is as interesting as maybe any prospect in hockey, to be honest. I mean, he's played with the men in the Finnish League. He's played in the American Hockey League. He finished last season in the WHL. Um and he seemed to finally really be comfortable and really get his groove back and his confidence back last year in the Western Hockey League. I mean, we've talked about the most likely spot for him is with the Manitoba Moose. But when you think about the path that he's traveled and the player that he is and presumably is right now heading into training camp, what's the best case scenario for Brad Lambert next year when it comes to the big picture in the organization? Not necessarily, you know, starting with the club and scoring a couple goals in the first week and having everyone talk about him. I mean, as far as establishing himself eventually as an impact NHLer that can be a difference maker for the Winnipeg Jets. So here's my best case scenario that I, I still think is realistic. He goes to camp. He has a phenomenal camp in these sort of like tweener competition exhibition games that are not quite NHL rosters. Mm-hmm. He shines again because he has speed and he has all of those dynamic qualities about him. He feels confident. He goes to the AHL where he produces, where he finds a way to get consistent minutes, consistent offensive opportunities, and he solves those problems and he uses his wheels and he uses his shot and his stick handling and he gets into dangerous situations consistently, puts up a lot of points, enough to feel really, really good about what he's doing there. Probably I would like for him to put up a lot of points and then struggle and then put up points again, honestly, to go through that type of development. And a best-case scenario, if we're talking about Blue Skies, is he does that so well that for some reason there's a pretense to give him a few NHL games as well this season. And then he finishes the season with the Moose, has a brilliant playoffs, heads into next year brimming with confidence. What I don't want to have happen is the guy come up and play eight minutes with the Winnipeg Jets a night or stay in the press box or um, like have some success with the Moose and get promoted before he's ready and, and all that sort of stuff because... Just think about it. You're a teenager. Like, what was he, 16 when he started playing in Liga? He, he becomes a professional. It's incredible. He perceives himself as a professional. He plays at that level. You know, he would have expected, I'm sure, to have even more success with the Moose last year. The WHL probably didn't feel good to go to as a concept immediately, right? Like, because you, for years, his self-paradigm would be, I'm a pro. Uh, and I'm not in his head, but I'm just thinking, like, if I were in that situation, that would be a real tough situation to, to transition out of. 
But when he did set things on fire in the WHL, life was great for him. And I really think that what's best for Brad Lambert is to be able to do that at the AHL level with consistency before he's an NHL player. Murat, one more on prospects. And this guy, you know, wasn't in that top five. But I will pose the question coming out of development camp. As it pertains to defense, I mean, you've got Billy Hanel mentioned. We were just talking Declan Chisholm. Might Elias Solinson be the real number one defense prospect in the organization? 100% possible. I have him in that next wave. You know, I talked about a five to eight type. And uh, he's in there. Chibrikov is in there as well, who I would also hope has a strong AHL season, productive just in the same vein we were talking about the other guys. Sal Monson is a fascinating prospect to me because if you go into his scouting reports, nobody is willing to commit any one of his skills as elite. They're not saying he's an elite skater, he's got an elite shot, he's got a bomb from the point, he's a vicious man in front of his net. But everybody thinks he's pretty good at everything. And they do like his skating. Admittedly, he's a very smooth skater. And when I see when I see scouting reports like that, I get intrigued. Because I think it's harder for a guy like that to stand out sometimes. Like, um, And when you look at the fact he turned 18 years old, August 31st, also Blake Wheeler's birthday, as it happens in my brain, August 31st of last year, he turns 18. And a top team, not a, not a middling team, a top team in the SHL trusts him to play third-pairing minutes in the toughest league in Sweden. Like, that is, a, that is a vote of confidence. He comes back, he does it in the playoffs, two plays even more and plays even better. That is an impressive level to have gotten to at that stage of his career. To then know that he's still 18, he's going to turn 19 this August, and then he's going to go back to that level where he's had some success, and now he's going to seek out a top-four role or, or look to grow into that over the next couple of years. Over the long haul, there is every chance that it's him and it's not Hainala and it's not Chisholm and it's not any of these guys we've been talking about. That emerges as Winnipeg's top defensive prospect. I believe that wholeheartedly. I don't see like a top pairing guy in him, but he could be a viable NHL player. And I know the Jets organization just loves him. Uh, Marat, great conversation uh, and a perfect one at this time of year coming out of development camp last week. Folks, get over to the Athletic and uh, make sure you're subscribing there and check out the uh, the piece that Marat's got up on the Jets' prospects. And uh, enjoy your uh, rest of your time outside. Go grab a Slurpee or something, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Thanks for doing this, as always. Yeah, buddy. Thanks for having me. Good stuff. At WPG Marat on Twitter, there is Marat Atesh. And as I mentioned, you can find all of his great work in The Athletic at theathletic.com. All right, we've got a great CFL conversation coming up with Marshall Ferguson, who will be calling the Alouettes and Argos game coming up this weekend. Of course, tonight we get things going with the Elks and the Ticats. Dusty's in the booth for that one. Check today's Lock Shop if you missed it. Lock Shop bets on YouTube. Give us a sub there for all of our picks and discussion on the games. But uh, just before we welcome in Marshall Ferguson from TSN, let's give a big shout-out to uh, some sponsors, including Great Bomber sponsor Princess Auto. Big thanks to our friends over at Princess Auto. Looking forward to the next Bomber home game and another Princess Auto tailgate party starting two hours before kickoff with $5 beers, $3.50 pop and hot dogs and great entertainment. Of course, Princess Auto is where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Two Winnipeg locations, Panet Road, Portage Avenue West, and you can always shop online 24-7, 365 at princessauto.com. 
A big thanks to our friends at Consolidated Supply for their great support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. Spicy, Joe, the gang down there, the leaders in irrigation systems, artificial turf, and golf carts, both new and used as the exclusive club car dealer in Manitoba. We've also got other great options for your property, including amazing hot tubs and awesome outdoor kitchens. Not to mention, they are the experts and leaders in small engine parts and repair. Pop by and check them out and check out the new Consolidated Supply showroom open to the public at 1395 Niagara Road East or find out more online at cte.ca. NFL season's just around the corner. All that new merch is coming into Royal Sports as well. Of course, you know they've got the best selection of Winnipeg Jets gear, Blue Bombers gear, all the new Seabears hats as well, and soccer merch from around the globe. Also, Toronto Blue Jays and every NFL team represented over at Royal Sports. And it's not just great merch. Take advantage and make the most of your summer with soccer, baseball, softball, tennis equipment, disc golf, and a huge selection of bikes. Pop down and see it for yourself, 750 Pembina Highway, and follow them on Instagram at Royal Sports Pembina for the latest merchandise drops and sale information. And hey, where's the best place to get together with friends for the big game? You know it. It's always your local Boston pizza. Enjoy ice-cold schooners, world-famous BP wings, and gourmet pizzas, and the latest from the BP feature menu, including the new Korean barbecue chicken sandwich. And hey, if you're staying in, you can always order online at bostonpizza.com. And don't forget, folks, Gold Eyes are back. A six-game series with Cleburne all the way up from Texas, begins tonight. You can get out there and check out Gold Eyes Baseball over the course of this week, but make a point of circling July 26th on the calendar and join us for our Winnipeg Sports Talk night. Great response so far. We've had to hold more tickets, but that's a good problem to have. Order yours now. 15 bucks. They include a Winnipeg Sports Talk koozie while supplies last. We've got some great Gold Eyes raffle prizes as well, which will be given away. Get to winnipegsportstalk.com. Order your tickets today and join us July 26th at the ballpark. But in the meantime, get on out there for one of these six games this week, beginning tonight at Shaw Park. All right, week six time in the Canadian Football League. And who better to get ready for it than our pal Marshall Ferguson from TSN. Marsh, what's up, man? Uh, You've been busy lately calling a lot of games. It's been great seeing the work you've been doing out east. Yeah, thank you, sir. I appreciate it. It's uh, it's been been a grind. Uh, I'm I'm constantly trying to find better and better ways to call games, both on air and in my prep. And uh, yeah, Canada Day weekend prepping for three games in four days and driving from Hamilton to Kingston, Ontario to Ottawa to Montreal to Kingston to Toronto was uh, that was a hell of a four day swing. I'm not sure I'd uh, I'd recommend that for anybody's health, but it was a lot of fun. Um, you know what? I want to focus in on uh, Ottawa as well as uh, Toronto, who you're calling this week. But uh, first off, just thoughts on the Bombers at 4-1 and right now through five games. Although with that one loss on the card, a, uh, I, I mean, it's still a shocking game against BC, the way they uh, kind of got manhandled at home. Uh, what have you thought about the defending West champs so far? Doesn't that game kind of have... The feeling like we all, we're all experienced football viewers north and south of the border. Doesn't that game kind of feel like when like the Jets go in and beat the Patriots in like week two of a season? And then at the end of the year, you look back and you see like, you know, the Patriots beat the Jets in the playoffs by 35. And you go, what the hell happened in week two? Like, I'm not saying that's going to happen to BC, but 
it kind of has that vibe of like we're gonna spend our whole year going wow man bc they 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 could really go into winnipeg and make some noise in the playoffs and then winnipeg might get into the playoffs and be like <laughs> that was week that was week three guys relax that's fine like that's probably not gonna happen again but yeah i mean winnipeg for me uh it's it's been interesting watching Dak really after that game specifically against BC try to get his feet back underneath him like I thought the Montreal game that I did he looked as comfortable as he has at any point I would say in 2022 or 23 in decision making and a lot of that obviously has to do with the ground game but I think that's the simple analysis as well they run the ball and then Winnipeg wants to do that and that's how they win games I think it's more so can Zach be on rhythm when the pass rush is coming and certainly against BC, like that just wasn't possible. He was completely moved off his spot. But what I thought was so incredible about Zach in the BC game that tells me why he has championship caliber and why everybody in that locker room does and should respect him. Did you ever see once where Zach got pissed off at anybody that whole game where he was getting hit every three plays, he never lashed out. He never went to the sideline and started talking to a coach or pointing fingers or he never even gave off bad body language the entire time that he was just getting thrown around. And I, we had a chance to talk to him leading into the Montreal game on Canada day weekend. And I said that to him, I'm like, dude, I don't know how you never gave off any sort of negative body emotion because you're human. Like you might be a veteran quarterback, but if that happens to anybody that much and they're not used to it, you're going to get frustrated and he just said, well, it doesn't really help anything if I just start doing weird things and everybody sees that I'm angry, so I just don't. I'm like, do you have any idea how much self-control that takes <laughs> to be able to do that? So um, the fact that he he didn't show any of that negativity, I think that's why Winnipeg, no matter the situation, is going to be able to rebound, whether that's against BC on the road, in the playoffs at home, down on Labor Day, uh, doesn't on the road in the East. Like I don't, they, They're always going to have a game or two where somebody gets the best of them because everybody gets up to play Winnipeg in this league right now. But yeah, I, they're always going to find a way to get back into this thing. And, uh, and it's, it's incredibly impressive to watch. Well, just quickly on BC. Um, I mean, they couldn't have looked any better that week here in Winnipeg. And then VA goes and drops a half dozen picks the next week. Um, and then they looked again last week. I mean, how, um, how, listen, I, this team is for real and I think they're very, very good, but how do you categorize? What have you taken away from the BC Lions so far with the ups and the downs early in the season? Yeah, the defense is clearly outstanding. Like, I think when I went into doing that Toronto game, uh, they had allowed one completion on 14 attempts that were 20 yards or more in the air. So your typical, you know, deep shots, how the CFL likes to clarify them as 20 plus. They were allowing 7% completion rate. And the only person who had completed a pass against them 20 yards or more in the air was Zach Kalaros to Carlton Agadosi in the second quarter of the BC Winnipeg game in which BC still dominated. So it's like, yeah, they got a pass rush up front. They got great coverage guys on the back end. They got athletes at linebacker. Ben Hladek, I think, is a total stud. And it's great to see him getting his chance at middle linebacker after Jordan Williams got traded to Toronto. So uh, I'm, I'm really enjoying watching BC's defense. BC's offense, to me, man, BA is such an interesting guy to try and analyze i'm not even going to say to analyze because you try all you might you might not still understand kind of what he's about here's my whole thing with vernon when he's on he is as good as anybody in the cfl 
like when he knows how to use his legs effectively, when he's escaping the rush with his quickness in the pocket, when he's shuffling around, when he can feel the rush, when he's seeing things clearly. But when VA's at his worst, it looks like the six interception game. And it's really, really difficult to know when you're going to get his best and when you're going to get his worst. But I just think back to some of the moments in his career where he's gotten himself into trouble. And, and I honestly feel like he's been unfairly kicked out of the opportunity to be a starting quarterback at various points throughout his career. And I'm not suggesting in any way, shape or form that that should happen in BC right now. But what I'm saying is when I think back to the times where he has been fairly criticized, it's the 2019 Eastern semifinal against Edmonton at home when he was with the Alouettes. And he's just not seeing defenders dropping out underneath throws and he's throwing it directly into the chest of players, just like we saw to Robertson Daniel three times in, in the game against uh, the Argonauts. So, when he sees it clearly and he processes and you can tell he's going pop, pop, pop and it's, it's all in rhythm and his feet are matched up with the offensive line, the protection, the routes. He's as good as anybody when he doesn't see it clearly. And he starts really trying to stretch and force things and throw into windows that might not exist. But it's like, as a general rule, if you're a quarterback and you're throwing to places that you hope are open, they're not open. You, there, there's a great line from Joe Montana that I've always used. I think he got it from Bill Walsh where he said, you have to see it in order to trust it in order to throw it. And it's like, it's almost like, you know, when you're driving in traffic, red light, green light. If you hit a red light, you stop and you go back to the start. If you don't see it, you can't trust it. If you can't trust it, you don't throw it. So sometimes quarterbacks convince themselves, well, I don't see it. Maybe I can trust it. I'll throw it. And it's like, nope, that's how interceptions happen. See it, trust it, throw it. Sometimes it feels like VA's process is a little off. And if it is, their offense might be in trouble. You know, um, heading over to the East, um, speaking of quarterbacking, I mean, obviously the Bombers are heavy favorites going into Ottawa. Uh, I feel for what Bob Dice is getting thrown at him early on. And obviously a horrible injury to Jeremiah Masoli. I think everyone, regardless of what team you pull for, felt for uh, for Jeremiah. But uh where does Ottawa go from here? And is Arbuckle even an option anymore? You know what? I Arbuckle, I know, got dinged uh, early in the season, which I think is why he slid down the, the lineup more than performance and play at this point. Um, but I, I think he is an option for them. But I also think that the, the organization would really like to try and figure out what their direction is here going forward because with Jeremiah healthy... I think that they were planning on Jeremiah as our guy and Nick gives us a stable veteran backup. And, and then now you're looking at four different starting quarterbacks in your first five games. And like to even say that out loud is like, if, if you're, if you're the starting center, let's say, right. Like Cyril Hogan, St. Don, it Laval second year player drafting the second round. You're working with four different quarterbacks just on quarterback center exchanges in the first month. That, that doesn't even you might rotate through with guys to get used to them, but to actually have to play in game, like Cyril must be looking backwards at the start of every drive and going, what the hell is that? Like not another different guy. So incredibly, incredibly strange, the situation that they're in. I feel for Bob Dice as well. I really feel for Sean Burke because he's been trying to build out a roster that can compete. And a central piece of that puzzle, of course, is your quarterback. And every time he thinks he's got an answer at quarterback or at least a decent temporary, I'm not even going to say replacement, but a fix, like a temporary fix, it ends up not working out. So I, I obviously am like everybody else. I was just sick to my stomach. I That's one of those surreal moments where you're doing play-by-play 
on national television and I actually didn't know what to say um, because I hate those moments more than anybody else. Like, <laughs> I don't want to be the one that has to tell people Jeremiah is hurt. I hate having to be the one that tells people Jeremiah is hurt. And yet my job is to tell people that Jeremiah is indeed hurt. And you can very clearly tell that he is hurt. You don't want to speculate. You don't want to guess. But it was just, I think what I said was, and Jeremiah is not right. And it was just like, I got no idea what the hell just happened. But he's, he just, he looked like something was completely off. And as we know now, it was the Achilles. So yeah, for Ottawa's quarterbacking situation, Jeremiah down, Nick being stable veteran backup who's a little bit ding Tyree with the ACL which I don't know how the hell he finished the game against Edmonton with that injury and now you start looking towards like the, they just brought on Pigram from Winnipeg from the preseason that played pretty well I think Dustin Crum actually showed a lot of potential from what I saw the ball jumps out of his hand he's kind of got a bit of a weird Philip Rivers like shot putty release where it almost slides out of his palm but I think it's because he's got freaking massive hands from what I can tell from the way he holds the football as well. So he's long and lanky. He's got some athleticism. He can sling it pretty hard. And I mean, I, who knows? Who knows? Like, what is it? What are any of these guys turn into? We don't know. We've got limited reps on every single one of them. Yeah, it certainly is a tall task for Ottawa taking on a bomber team looking to go five and one. Uh, you're doing the Argos Alouettes game on the weekend. Are, are the Argos the team to beat right now in the CFL? Definitely in the East. I mean, Hamilton doesn't have any of their stuff together as far as I can tell. Um, Montreal's got major pass protection issues, which I've been kind of looking into throughout the week. And How much Ottawa... is that on Cody Fajardo, Mark? <laughs> it's, you know what? I, I did a, a sports center analysis piece on this. I did like a little micro podcast on Canadian football perspective about it. I've really tried to dive into this and look at it. The interesting thing is pro football focus has the, Alouette's offensive line as the top graded pass protection unit. So I reached out to the guy that grades, you know, kind of represents the grading. He's not the only one who does it because PFF has a ton of people who review things and make sure that it's very, very thorough. And Ebisco uh, was like, yeah, well, it's a little bit of like a hitch in our system where if a guy gets beat, but he's not the player who actually creates the sack. We really don't credit a sack, and it's really not on the quarterback, even though Montreal's one of the few teams that averages more than three seconds from snap to throw on passing plays. So it's like, I think Cody's got some really bad habits, to be honest. Like he, he chronically tries to spin out of pockets that don't need to be spun out of. He's got some of these weird things that I think he got away with early in his career that are not your prototype. If you were going into, you know, quarterback, uh, you know, 101 for young guys, there's some habits that Cody has that you'd be like, oh, no, we we got to get rid of that. Let's not have that. And I think Jason Moss probably does that. But when you get to this point in professional football, you're not going to tear something down to the bolts and retrain it. He kind of has these some of these tendencies. So holding on to the football, maybe not being on the same page as some of his receivers, especially early in the season, uh, I think all of that is fair critique of, of Cody's game. But it's everybody, man. I watched all of the... 23 hits, hurry, sacks, pressures that Cody Fajardo has had. And I think there's a couple of guys that are struggling in pass protection one-on-one. Nick Callender, the left tackle, has not been extremely sound. I mean, anybody's going to look bad against Willie Jefferson and Jackson Jeffcoat. Uh, but he struggled one-on-one. I think Justin Lawrence is doing everything he can to scrap and hold his ground as the center. Outside of that, William Stanback gave up a couple of pressures right down the shoot against blitzes from Hamilton. Uh, there were some overload blitzes from the secondary from the Ottawa Red Blacks in week one that got home. So 
it's been scheme, offensive line, running back, quarterback holding the ball. And that, Hustler, is how you are on pace to give up 100 sacks in the CFL season. Well, we'll see what uh, they've got for uh, the uh, Argos, who, again, so bizarre that the Argos have only played three games at this point in the season. And Bombers are getting ready to play six on Saturday. Uh, That being said, they've looked good. And Chad Kelly's looked good so far as well. I was very skeptical whether he could be that leader of a guy. And I guess we'll see. It's still very early in the season. Um, But... uh, Something about winning a championship. I mean, that team has, uh, in a lot of ways, picked up right where they left off, Marsh. Yeah, definitely. And I think a lot of it honestly goes to Ryan Dinwiddie in the week where he gets the contract extension because um, talking to Chad this week, it reminded me a lot of a conversation I had with McLeod Bethel-Thompson last year where McLeod broke into, yeah, here's what you guys see, but really what I'm looking at, is it a two-shell? Is it one high? Is he moving over? Is it the boundary of the field? Are they rotating? Is the corner... Like, he started going, like, hardcore X's and O's with me last year, McLeod did, and explaining how everything in the CFL is a triangle. And if you can read which direction the triangle is shifting, then you can see these little mini pictures that you can get a read on the defense from. Chad did the same thing to me this week, and I was like, is this just like a Dinwiddie thing where he's constantly talking this way and his quarterbacks just absorb all of the knowledge and the communication he has to give off? Because that, that's certainly the vibe I get more and more as I'm around the Argonauts organization. So Chad has shown to me uh, more than I think, you know, the the potential on the arm talent, all that kind of stuff. He's shown to me that no matter, kind of similar to what I was talking about with Kalaros, where it's like his demeanor allows him to get through some really difficult moments. I get the sense that no matter how tough the situation is for Toronto, the thing that's going to drive that Argonauts offense through it all is Chad's competitive fire. And that that isn't, you know, great analysis in terms of X's and O's or tendencies, analytics, any of that kind of stuff. But you can just see in that huddle that when Chad decides to break the huddle and is extremely locked in on what he's doing, that, yeah, the play might not always go their way, but nobody in the huddle loses any sort of belief because Chad just refuses to stop trying. Like he's just kind of that dude that's relentless in his effort. It seems like, so uh, they're a fun team to watch right now. They are. And it's, I mean, they went on the road and, and did some really fun stuff against Edmonton. I'm, I'm interested to see as they get some of those real true road trips, you know, where you're not playing a Hamilton team that seems like they're going to need some time to figure things out with so many new pieces or, uh, you know, you're not you're not taking down a, a BC club where the other quarterback is not seeing the game well and throwing you six interceptions. I want to see Toronto in a a 42 to 38 game in which the other quarterback is kind of humming. And the, what really irks me is that I would absolutely have loved to have seen like a Nathan Rourke versus Chad Kelly matchup if Rourke were still in the Canadian Football League because like as great as BC Toronto was. VA playing that way certainly kind of threw the game into a different mode uh, than we all expected. And I feel as though we need to see Chad up against another offense that's really in rhythm and moving it. And, and at some point we will, there will be a great game and who knows, maybe it's for Jardo going crazy in this one and Montreal's offense forces the issue and Toronto has to keep slinging it deep and we get this great game back and forth. But uh, I like the way that Toronto is trending and the, I'll, I'll just mention this too. This is probably a longer story than, is worth telling, but Toronto last year basically decided we can't run the football. We don't know how to, we're not any good at this. Let's stop bashing our head against the wall. We're not Winnipeg. 
we can't just decide to run the football against anybody and then manhandle them at the line of scrimmage. And so they started going to all these extended handoffs and Markeith Ambles to the flats and quick screens to Curly Gittins Jr. And let's just get the ball out quickly and see what happens. They went into their offseason and Dinwiddie said, we took three weeks where all we did as a coaching staff is self-scout. How can we run the football better? And they looked at every type of run they did and they were like, how can we teach this better? How can we communicate this better? How can we call it better at the line of scrimmage? And so they went into training camp and a huge focus was let's just figure out how we can actually run the football this year. Now they're first in the CFL in rushing yards per game. Again, only three games in, so I get it. This could change. But I love when coaching staffs go ahead and say, this is our weakness. Let's try to find out how to be better at it. They haven't just gotten better. It's become a major strength for them. So to me, that's the sign of a really good coaching staff who knows how to communicate what they're actually looking for in their players and their players taking the message to heart. And like AJ Olette talking to him this year, he's basically said, we're not just kind of running the football because it's part of the game of football anymore. We're actually dominating people at the line of scrimmage because we've decided to completely change our mentality. I, I find that to be amazing about Toronto's undefeated start. Yeah, I mean, that <laughs> that is interesting. And it's certainly, I mean, they the the running game is so much more a focus of theirs as opposed to something that they lean back, especially with Harris being out for the majority of last season. Although Ouellette was a, was a problem. I've saved the best for last a minute left tonight is tonight. The night the Elks break the streak at home. I, you know what my first thought was when I woke up and I opened up TSN.ca and I saw that Dave Naylor had done a three minute essay called the streak. And then, and then I saw that Corey Warren had done a sports center timeline piece. That was another two minutes on Edmonton and the losing streak. Taylor Cornelius doesn't seem like an overly confident individual at the best of times. He kind of is swaggerless. It feels like uh, in terms of his outwards persona, maybe internally in the locker room, he might be better, but I ended up (laughs) waking up this morning, seeing those two pieces. And then I went, I know that Taylor Cornelius doesn't wake up and open up TSN.ca in order to watch all the videos about how bad his team has been. Hope he doesn't. Yeah, but I but I did think I don't care how he wakes up. I think he's rolling over and you know the the old uh <laughs> kind of meme of like you know having Ben Affleck where he's he's in a white tank and he's smoking the dart and he's just like oh god another like it's a Monday, you know every day's a Monday. I was thinking about Cornelius waking up this morning with this streak hanging in the balance and just going Oh God! And just taking a long drag. And sitting there and going, I can't believe I got to do this bleep again, man. I got to go to Commonwealth. <laughs> I hope we win this game. But there it is. Yes, thank you. No, I was wrong about the white tank. I was confusing my uh, my memes there. I think oh, we need to like, slap but... an Elks logo on that. Exactly. Thing. Yeah, just standing there and just absolutely soaking in. Oh God, I got to do this again. <laughs> that's what I, I fear for Cornelius. That that's how he woke up this morning. Marsh, you are the best, man. Have a great call this week, and uh, I'm really enjoying your work on TSN, and I love having you on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Have a great one, and uh, let's do this again soon. Looking forward to it. Thank you, as always, guys. What a great weekend at uh, Folk Fest over the last few days. I know Little Brown Jug was a big supporter and sponsor of Folk Fest, and a lot of people uh, out there enjoyed the Folk Fest lager. You can pick that up still right now throughout the summer at Little Brown Jug, along with 1919 and Generic Lager, both of which will be available at the ballpark coming up for Winnipeg Sports Talk Night and throughout the year. And, of course, 1919 is available at the stadium, IG Field, as well as they're now official partners with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Don't forget, Saturdays 
at Little Brown Jug on the patio. What's Golden is back coming up. They've teamed up with Shorty's Pizza, new food, new DJs every Saturday, noon until sunset. Great summer programming at Little Brown Jug. Find out more at littlebrownjug.ca. And, of course, follow them on Instagram and Twitter for uh, the latest events coming up down at LBJ. Speaking of events, I cannot wait to get out to Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge coming up um, next month. Always my favorite three or four days of the year. If you are looking for an amazing corporate outing or friends and family trip where you can have a a world-class fly-in fishing experience and be on the water in less than two hours from the city of Winnipeg, Aikens Lake is the spot. Find out more about the one-of-a-kind Aikens experience online at akinslake.ca or hit our pal Pitt to rent up at Aikens Lake on Twitter for more information. Limited availability left this season, and they're already booking in to 2024. And, uh, hey, we're uh, just a couple weeks away from the Open Championship. This week, though, many of the stars of the PGA Tour are heading out to the Scottish Open and of course, we'll do our golf reports once the tournament begins for our friends at Breezy Bend Golf and Country Club. Course is absolutely mint right now. If you're looking for an amazing long-term home for you and your family on a golf course, one of Winnipeg's top private clubs, make it breezy. Talk to Corey Johnson at the clubhouse or find out more online at breezybend.ca about getting on the waiting list for the 2024 season. All right, let's head out to the ballpark and welcome in Andrew Collier from the Gold Ice. Cash, what's going on? How are you? Hey, Huss, doing well. How are you? Uh, I'm great. Um, Man, what a crowd last night for Retro Night. Uniforms looked amazing. Uh, and we got four more games against Cleburne going uh, right through the end of this weekend. But a uh, great night for the organization last night, despite a tough loss that uh, went the distance. Yeah, that was a lot of fun last night. It was great to see the, the stands packed and concourse packed. It was, it was a lot of fun. And like you said, we... Uh, did our best to come back in the ninth. Got a couple of guys on, but just couldn't just couldn't get them home. Uh, that being said, uh, we're just really getting into this series with Cleaver, despite having two down, because the unique nature of the schedule, a long ways for these guys to come north of the border. So uh, four more should be a great weekend with uh, plenty of opportunities to come out and enjoy what the ballpark's all about. Yeah, four more games tonight at 6.30, tomorrow 6.30, Saturday at 6, and Sunday at 1.00. Um, yeah, the six-game series, uh, the last couple of years, AAA has actually gone to almost exclusively six-game uh, six series. I think it has a lot to do with travel, and AAA brought in some rules a couple of years ago about having to, to fly the teams if, if they went a certain distance. So I think it was a cost-saving thing for them to go to six games. And with us, uh, Winnipeg and Cleburne, are the farthest teams away in our league. So this year they'll come up here for six and then next year we'll go down there for six. It just makes scheduling so much easier. Now uh, finishing off the, uh, the six gamer is the Sunday afternoon matinee. And that is the hate is not welcome here game. And uh, we touched on this a little bit when the original announcement was made, but uh, this is sort of a, a, an undertaking from uh, all of our Winnipeg teams. Tell us a little bit about Sunday's game and being a part of the uh, Hate Is Not Welcome Here program. Yeah, what a great initiative. Rob Berkowitz, our, our good friend that we all know um, at Rady JCC, he came up with the idea months ago and he called me and he said, hey, Andrew, what do you think of this idea? Do you think, do you think you'd be on board? Do you think other teams would be? Uh, he had meetings set up with the Jets and Moose and, 
and sea bears coming up, I said, absolutely, it's a great idea, and we're in for sure. Which game do you want to do? So it was it was pretty easy on our part, and, and Rob and, and Zach over at the Rady JCC have done such a great job. They did a great job at the Sea Bears game, having the uh, the first Hate is Not Welcome Here game, and we're really looking forward to Sunday. Well, uh, speaking of looking forward to things, we are really looking forward to, uh, I guess, two weeks yesterday, July 26th, when we're getting the Winnipeg Sports Talk crew out. We've had a heck of a uh, response so far from WST listeners and viewers, Andrew. I think we're going to have a good time. We might need a couple extra kegs there in Craft Beer Corner. As somebody who sells tickets for a living, anytime somebody emails me and says, hey, we're going to need more tickets, yeah, that's awesome. I'll take those emails all day long. <laughs> uh, we'll just mention to everyone, if you haven't already, head on over to winnipegsportstalk.com. There's a link right there. You can get tickets and join us for what should be a, uh, a great night at the ballpark and a great chance to, especially for those of you that are with us daily on YouTube, maybe to meet some friends that you've made in the chat in real life. There's the link right there as Remus is showing it on the scoreboard. But uh, 15 bucks while supplies last. We'll have koozies for everybody as well. And we'll have some uh, neat door prizes as well for everyone that gets tickets through the Winnipeg Sports Talk link. So uh, head on over there. Now that is on the 26th. There is actually... A very interesting event before that, a week Saturday, the Ballpark Beer Fest. We've talked a little bit about that before, uh, Andrew, but it's coming up for folks that uh, are unaware of what it is. Uh, give a quick plug for that and how people can count themselves in. Yeah, July 22nd, Ballpark Brew Fest, second annual, uh, Saturday, July 22nd, from 1 till 5. Go to goldeyes.com. There's a link there to get your tickets, $60. Uh, plus taxes, gets you in for those four hours, gets you a hot dog, hamburger, or a piece of little pizza heaven pizza, and sampling 24 of Manitoba's brewers. It's going to be a, a lot of fun. A couple bands will be playing throughout the day. Uh, we're over halfway there on ticket, ticket sales, and we'd like to get to the 800 mark. Uh, that is going to be a fun Saturday. And for all of you Uber drivers out there, you might want to hang around the ballpark uh, later on on Saturday afternoon. On the it should 22nd. be like Winnipeg Airport with all the cappies lined up <laughs> down the road, ready to go at 5 o'clock. Hey, uh, one other thing I did want to mention. Obviously, we've got some exciting events coming up in July. But August 11th, huge day for the organization. The one and only. And real. I mean, there's some, we, we use that term often, but... Reggie Abercrombie is the epitome of the one and only uh, going to have his number retired. I'm really looking forward to being part of the luncheon, Andrew. Um, but I'm sure there's some folks that maybe weren't aware of this. Fill us in on all the festivities celebrating Reggie's incredible record-breaking career. Yeah, it all gets underway with our 30th anniversary luncheon at the Fairmont. If anybody's interested, give Dan a call in the office, 204-982-2273, or send him an email, dan at goldeyes.com. If they want tickets to luncheon, it's going to be a lot of fun. Ace Burpee will be there. Yourself and Brody will be on the panel interviewing Reggie, which should be a, a ton of fun. Um, and then later on that night is the game, first thousand, get a Reggie bobblehead, and it is awesome. It's one of the best bobbleheads I've ever seen. How how they take photos and, and make it into a bobblehead that looks exactly like Reggie finishing the swing of another home run with his back pocket flipped out, which he always had. That was his thing. Uh, yeah, it's going to be so much fun. Fireworks that night. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing Reggie. I haven't seen him since uh, 2019, so I'm uh, really looking forward to that day. 
August 11th is going to be a great afternoon and evening out at the ballpark. And, uh, of course, go to goldeyes.com. But if you do want to join us for the luncheon, uh, dan at goldeyes.com for more info and tickets, tables on that. Andrew, congrats on a great retro night last night. Those hats and uniforms were absolutely mint. And uh, good luck the rest of the way for what should be a real fun weekend. We and WST listeners and viewers will see you on Wednesday, July 26th. We're really looking forward to it. I can't wait to to meet all your your viewers and listeners and and have a chat. I'm sure they've got lots of advice for me. All right, good stuff with our pal Andrew Collier. And yes, if you haven't already, join us Wednesday, July 26th, Shaw Park. Tickets available right now. WinnipegSportsTalk.com. We'll all be on the left field line. Seats all together. I imagine many of us will probably set up shop in Craft Beer Corner, um, but would love to see you out there and meet a bunch of other friends from the Winnipeg Sports Talk chat. Podcast listeners as well would love to have you out there. And uh, as they say, we, we the response has been so great. We may need to get some uh, other koozies because uh, I'm not sure if we have enough, but... Um, We'll 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 figure out a way, and uh, we're also going to get some a uh, couple neat prizes from some sponsors that we'll uh, be giving away at the event as well. So, uh, anyways, get on over there, at WinnipegSportsTalk.com. Um, oh, by the way, I've got to give a big shout out to our friends at uh, Canadian Club, Canada's favorite Canadian whiskey. Get on out in time for the weekend. If you're popping by your local beer vendor, make sure you check out the uh, CC and Ginger, huge hit at IG Field at Bomber Games. Now available in 473 milliliter cans as well. And in six packs, you can pick that up at your local Manitoba Liquor Mart as well. And of course, Canada's favorite Canadian whiskey, Canadian Club. Also the official spirit of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Pick that up at your local Manitoba Liquor Mart. All right, we do got to get to our cool bet lines. CFL week six gets going tonight. Great conversation with Marshall Ferguson a few minutes ago. But Remo, um, quickly before we do that, Bomber injury report has just come out. What have we learned? Yeah, well, we've learned a lot of people asking about Janarian Grant after you know he left last game with an injury. I was not optimistic that no. he would be uh, in the lineup, and he week. hasn't practiced. Bombers, this is a really nice injury report. Um, has they right? Look at this. There with the injury. So Drew Brown, not injury related. He didn't practice. The first one, but the other two he did, but he's yeah, questionable. He had, a, he had a he spoke to the media. He uh, he did uh, like Adam Big Hill. Unfortunately, had a death in the family, and that's why he was uh, yeah. gone from the club. And then what? Carlton Agadosi, not injury related, did practice every day, but is questionable. I'm not. I haven't been. I'm gonna be honest. Darren will give us a better idea. I guess the ones Jackson Jeffcoat was limited the first two, but practiced in full, and is questionable. I would think if you practice in full the last day, usually like you're. You're good to go. Like Pat Newfeld, not injury related. I guess missed the second practice, but is questionable. This one's an interesting one. Nick Dembski has practiced in full day one, uh, didn't practice two and three, and he's questionable. I'm curious about Dembski. What did it say the injury is? Hip. It wasn't okay. wasn't with his new, his newborn child. Congratulations to Nick too. I haven't gone through that. I mean, you got that's tough being. Peak physical condition, Hus. <laughs> with the lack of sleep you're getting from a newborn. Just couldn't quite have it for the 8.30 p.m. skate at River Heights Arena. Yeah, it's man, it's tough. Uh, tough. I had to miss a lot. Of, I didn't play hockey. I'd say I had a child November. My daughter was born. I didn't play hockey a lot till like February, March. It was 
hard. Um, <laughs> let's see. Winston Rose practices every day. Questionable. So uh, we'll have to wait and see what happens. We'll, maybe Darren will have better insight than yeah, I do we're gonna tomorrow. We're going to break that all down tomorrow. A bomb is going to join us on the program, and, uh, and that'll be a nice little feeder into uh, I know bombing and Walby will be uh, firing it up after our show tomorrow to get ready for Saturday's game against the Ottawa Red Blacks. Yeah, so that'll be fun. Yeah, fun tomorrow. Uh, who else? Hacksaw is coming back on tomorrow. Us talk a little NFL. Uh, yes. I don't know if you've watched. A lot of people talking about the quarterback series on Netflix. Great week for it to drop with no other games. I haven't watched it, but I know what they follow. Kirk Cousins and other quarterbacks and the Netflix where they did the golf. I mean, other quarterbacks. Patrick Mahomes and other quarterbacks. Well, I, all I see there's Mahomes is, and there's everybody else. All I see on Twitter is that Kirk Cousins is in it and people are debating if he's weird or not and how he I'm comes su- off in it. I'm surprised you didn't say following around Marcus Mariota and two other NFL quarterbacks. Yeah. <laughs> so I do know, but they did what they did. The golf series that I watched was really well done and they did a tennis one too. So now they have a, a football one. So I'll I'll watch this, but I got a lot. I got a long list of shows, as we'll see, and we'll see if, when if I can you, get to if this. If you've seen the clips, if you've seen the clips that they put out with Mahomes from the first Raider game, mm-hmm. where the Chiefs were down seventeen nothing, he throws a TD pass to uh, to Kelsey, and then uh, then just starts yelling at Max Crosby, saying, I'm here all day, I'm here all day. And Crosby gets in his grill, like basically a borderline headbat. I, but I remember the play, and I was shocked that he didn't get 15 yards. Mahomes can talk a little bit of smack, um, and he did quite a bit. Anyways, check that out if you haven't seen it. It's brand new on Netflix, quarterback. I'll be diving into that, I'm sure, this weekend. And we can talk about it coming up next week. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, looking forward to having Hacksaw on the program. Still some big-time NFL free agents that don't have deals. We'll kind of see what Lee's got to say about that. But, listen, before we wrap it up, let's get over to the uh, Cool Bet lines. We do have games back tonight. Dusty's going to be in the booth in Edmonton as the Ticats take on the Elks. Now, the Elks were three-point underdogs earlier this week. We did the lock shop at 1230 today. And the Elks were one-point underdogs. And I'm pulling this up right now, Remus. The Elks are now one-point favorites. Yeah. I I made a bet two days ago on all of them, and I took the Elks at plus 130 on the money line. The Elks are now minus 115. I I am stunned. I'm not sure what could possibly be giving people that much confidence in Edmonton. I mean, I understood maybe taking the three. Um but yeah, Edmonton, a, fa- a home favorite tonight to end their home losing streak at 19 and prevent setting a North American record. This, Yeah, they shouldn't be favored at all, so I would be betting on, on Hamilton. There's no way they should be a favorite. Edmonton, they haven't won. Sorry, what's the losing streak? 19. 19 at home? And if they don't win tonight, their next three home games, I believe, are Winnipeg, BC, Winnipeg. So... They yeah. got to get it done tonight. That's why I'm taking the Elks. Man, how about Marshall Ferguson coming on and just very politely slamming Taylor Cornelius, saying he had no confidence and no swagger. I hope Taylor's not watching this program, but that was, um, he said it so like politely and casually, but just torched Taylor, who I don't think is very good. 
or sorry, didn't deserve a, a two year deal when they gave it to him. No, uh, it, it's looking like a big whiff by Chris Jones. Like that was a bad. I think we said that when it happened. I, we should pull that show up. But like, I was like, like that's kind of like good for Taylor Cornelius getting a two year deal. But like, he's not really like that accurate. And you know, he's I guess he can run a little. But uh, I don't know if you'd want to commit to two years to this guy. He hasn't really proven it. And uh, well, they've already benched him this year. And I know you can cut a guy any time, but. Uh, it seems strange to commit to him. Chris Jones is weird, man. That's all I have to say. Uh, anytime TD score, put it this way, we got on Cornelius last week for the anytime TD score at plus 225 because mm-hmm. he is doing the short yardage and he got in. I don't mind him at plus 140. I think there's a better chance of him running the ball in than throwing a touchdown pass. I'll say that. Um, so anyways, the Elks right now, this line has moved two points in the last two hours. Elks minus one and minus 115 on the money line. Tomorrow, Argos and Alouettes. Argos five-point favorites. And no surprise with the quarterback situation in Ottawa that the Bombers are laying nine and a half on the road. And um, I'll be honest, that doesn't phase me at all. I'll be looking at the Bombers to win by double digits, Reem. Yeah, I mean, Ottawa's been not good, and who's their quarterback? Although, uh, Marsh, who I trust has been, he had a lot of nice things to say about Crum. Yeah. Dustin Crum, what a, what a great well, He's name. also going up against a defense that's uh, averaging seven points against in their last two games. Yes. I mean, he, he they're moving up a weight class, shall we say, going up against the uh, the big blue coming up on Saturday afternoon. And maybe the most interesting game, other than tonight, is Calgary, Saskatchewan in Regina on, uh, oh, I guess that's part of a Saturday doubleheader. There's no Sunday game tonight. Uh, this oh, week. the Saturday doubleheader is back. Although it's it's an afternoon evening doubleheader. I don't like that. I want yeah. the six o'clock, nine o'clock. But the thing is, we're still going to be watching the Bombers in the afternoon. I love. So then we've got another game after that. We I love that. Two gamer. Yeah. That two 9 p.m. Parlay. We need that 9 p.m. Saturday night. See, I love staying up late watching CFL, uh, BC, watching Nathan Rourke just like whip teams last year at 11 p.m. when the game was out of hand. Fire up those DraftKings lineups. Yeah, when the game's out of hand and like Glenn Suter and whoever is doing play by play are just talking about whatever because the game's over. That was awesome. I loved that. I'm not even joking. I love because I, well, I had Nathan Rourke every week in DraftKings and like all his receivers. It was so much fun. Well, and, and here, uh, one other why not question of the day for our friends at Not Auto Corp and Waverly and McGilvery. Let us know in the chat. Are the Riders any good? No. They have had two squeaker wins against the Elks, and they did beat Calgary in overtime. I think Calgary gets them back in this game. I'm back in the Stamps. Stamps are getting one and a half on the road and are plus money, plus 102 on the money line. But as I say, I'm I'm still quite skeptical about Saskatchewan. Arguably, their best game of the season was the one against the Bombers, where Harris threw for 400 yards, and they still lost by 18 at home. So, anyways, I don't know. Calgary's look terrible. They got to get a win. They can't go one win in the first six games of the year. So, I'm going to ride with the Stampeders on that one. If you want a little more from myself and Dusty, on the CFL picks this weekend, get on over to the Lock Shop YouTube channel. Uh, of course, the uh, Barbasol Championship is going on right now, and the Scottish Open. My guy Benny on minus nine at the Scottish Open. 
And uh, you know what? While we're at it, we should, we should check in on the Barbasol Championship because... Uh, How's Aaron Cockrell doing? Yeah. That's exactly what I'm trying to look for right now. Where's the Barbasol? They're just Barbas up oh, I, Genesis. I typed in Barbasol. It just gave me like shaving cream. I guess I got to write Barbasol Championship. <laughs> we need to see. Um, I guess I'm going to have to find this differently. Oh, one of two tournaments. There we are. Here Barbasol Championship. <laughs> just typed in Barbasol. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we got to go down. Let's see where our guy Aaron Cockrell is. Uh, We're looking I'll, for a Canadian just... flag. Let me type in cock, and then I'll come up. Tied 75th. Okay, well, that's right there. Taylor Pendrith is two under. And, uh, oh, and Aaron's one under right now. Playing his 13th hole. Right on. That's good, right? Well, for sure. I mean, listen, you want to be in the top 70. Uh, we had a nice little cool bet line at minus 133 to make the cut. And a plus 135 on Cockrell and Pendrith. Both did get it done, so... I mean, Aaron was so close at the RBC Canadian Open. He doubled the error, sorry, bogeyed 18, that par five, and ended up missing the cut by one on the number. So uh, hopefully he gets it done. And uh, this is a wide open field. I mean, all the top players on tour are out over in Europe getting ready for the Open Championship. Great opportunity for him to be able to play on the PGA Tour and hopefully get some very valuable points toward, uh, toward earning the card. Anyways, it's all there on Cool Bet for you. And check out our picks at the lock shop and get in your picks for the CFL tonight. And I guess we're back with the, uh, is today the, oh no, no baseball today. Baseball gets back tomorrow. And where are the Blue Jays going to be tomorrow? Starting off a series in, oh, maybe they're not even playing until until Saturday. They're not. See the, oh, well, no, no. You know what? They just, they haven't announced starters yet. So that's why the lines. Oh, uh, they're the lines hosting Arizona. Oh, the D-backs. We'll see it. Of course, Wimbledon for you tennis fans. We do have the uh, semis tomorrow. Sinner and Djokovic. Djokovic, a huge favorite, minus 476. And uh, the number one seed, Carlos Alcaraz, the Spaniard, going up against Medvedev. Alcaraz, minus 250. And actually, the most interesting matchup, um, I guess, is out right now. Probably playing right now. I'll have to check that out when we're done. The uh, two unseated players. Mm -hmm. And then Vondrasova and Jabour in the uh, other women's semifinal. That's going to be uh, going out. So uh, anyways, get on over to Coolbet. If you haven't played there before, use the promo code WST. 100% bonus on your first deposit up to 200 bucks. Slowly but surely, feeling a little bit better. Get through tomorrow and hopefully be closer to normal coming up on Monday. But uh, great work for Remo. And uh, again, thanks for hanging with us all week long. Fun show today. You can keep your tweets coming. My, my Twitter's been unlocked. So if you want to get more takes on the Cashless Society, feel free to hit yeah. me up at Hustlerama. I was going to say, you should have got threads when you were locked out of Twitter. That's why everyone got threads, because Twitter does dumb stuff like that. It's just too unpredictable these days. you got to get thought, on threads. I thought long and hard about doing that. That was going to be my first thread, actually. But, again, I haven't been feeling good. I slept for another 13 hours, so it, was, uh, it wasn't a big deal to be locked out of my account. Um, folks, that's going to do it for us. Big thanks to all the sponsors and all of you for being a part of your day. Big show tomorrow. We'll talk Bombers Red Blacks with Darren Bombing of Bonfire Sports. Ken Weeb, more on the NHL and the Jets offseason. And a little midsummer 
Hacksaw Hamilton NFL Notebook. Don't miss it. We'll see you tomorrow at 1. Oh, we'll get ready for another big Seabears game tomorrow night as well at Canada Life Centre. Don't forget your bank card. See you tomorrow, folks, <laughs> on, Winni- on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Thanks for being with us. Oh, my God. Oh! Shut it down. Let's go home. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.